Okay, save it for the podcast, boys. Just keep it in your pants. In space, no one can hear you scream, which means you also can't listen to podcasts. Thankfully, you're not in space, because you are listening to the Uncut Gems podcast, a weekly show where we talk about movies nobody else wants to talk about. This is episode number 13, and my name's Jakob. My name's Carson. And my name's Jack. My name's Nick. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to our show. So, uh, glad to have you all with us. Uh, last week we have we celebrated Alina's birthday by talking about the 1999 The Mummy and its sequels, which turned out quite well, if I may say so. So check it out when you have a minute. Today we are celebrating something else. As you may or may not know, the 26th of April has recently, I mean, in the last say five five years or so, become known as Alien Day after LV 46, I presume. So in that spirit. And because this episode will become available three days ahead of that date, we decided to observe this holiday in the only way we know how, by talking about movies. So, today we are going to talk about Alien 3, and perhaps its somewhat distant second cousin, Pitch Black. But let's start with David Finger's Alien 3. Okay. If I want the same thing as you, I want to see it dead. I hate the fucker. They killed my mates too. Why the fuck can't we wait for the company and have some guns on our side? Why... Why did you go on some fucking suicide run? Right! Because they won't kill it. They might kill you just for having seen it, but they're not gonna kill it. That is crazy! That is horseshit! They will not kill us! When they first heard about this thing, it was crew expendable. The next time they sent in Marines, they were expendable too. What makes you think they're gonna care about a bunch of lifers who found God at the ass end of space. You really think they're going to let you interfere with their plans for this thing? Picking up almost directly after the events of James Cameron's Aliens, Alien 3 sees Ellen Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver, crash on a desolate prison planet Fiorina 161, rescued and taken in by a crew of all-male violent convicts who have given themselves over to a life of celibacy as a way of reforming themselves, I suppose, Ripley quickly realizes she was not the only survivor of the crash and that they are all under threat from the bloodthirsty xenomorph. Now, ever since the release of James Cameron's Aliens, Fox Studio moguls knew they wanted to follow it up and perhaps complete a trilogy, as it was fashionable at the time. But stars wouldn't line up to make this happen. A good handful of people had a go at pitching and writing the script for the, what would become eventually Alien 3, such as William Gibson had a go, Eric Red had a go, David Toohey had a go, and we will feature who will feature um, a little bit later in the episode, so stay tuned. The idea was not to repeat what the previous two films had done, and Gibson at least wanted to make the film a metaphor for the Cold War and introduced some space communists, apparently. So that would be an interesting film to see in the sort of you know greatest films never made. Um, it would take a while to go through this entire circus in detail and actually some people have tried so if you google there's this whole bunch of articles about this it, it's a massively interesting sort of read anyway uh lots of people were approached to direct it i think they wanted really scott and he said no rennie harden walked out and eventually the producers hired vincent ward to write and direct and he introduced some key concepts that kind of carried over to the eventual final product however 
his vision and the direction Fox wanted to go uh, differed a bunch. So he was eventually fired. And I think possibly when the um, production was underway. So Walter Hill and David Geller rewrote his uh, script um, and they got David Fincher, a young sort of hotshot uh, at the time of the music video world to direct in his feature debut. Producers and Fincher also did not share the same vision and frequently locked horns during production. And that resulted in probably most one of the most divisive probably until Prometheus, entries in the series and the film became a bit like Marmite, a love it or hate it experience. The film as it was later recut for a DVD release in 2003 into what we now know is the assembly cut, but we'll get to it in a minute because I think we will be talking about this as well. Now, let's share initial thoughts that I am, um, let's just say I've hidden in within the sort of Marmite analogy. Where do you stand on Alien 3? Is it like well, how how is it? How are you with this marmite of a film? Do you love it or do you hate it? The floor is yours. I love that you mentioned that this was a love it or hate it experience because I'm very in the middle with it. I don't love this film. <laughs> I don't hate this film either way. Nice. Um, I think in a vacuum, I appreciate a lot of what this film tries to do. It changes the scenery, obviously changes like the core identity of what this franchise is, which is what you need for a franchise to continue going. I think Ripley's like mental state is easily the most interesting part of this film. Um, you know, in Aliens stuff, obviously she has a lot of PTSD very reasonably for being attacked by aliens and having to fight and, you know, friends dying makes a lot of sense that she would have PTSD. And in this film, she really has to, she starts almost kind of like in fear of the aliens, but then she, as it goes on as developments, I'm not really going to spoil um, her perception of her relationship with them. It changes. And I think it's really fascinating, um, which is another thing we'll talk about in our later film, which I really appreciate about that film. But I think the biggest issue with alien three, at least for me was how this holds up as a sequel um, as a sequel to Aliens, I think this is god awful. Again, as in the vacuum of what this film is, I like the film overall. I think I think there's some nasty parts. There's a pretty like not graphic, but pretty unneeded like start for a rape scene, which I didn't really love. Um, but as a sequel to change not only your key identity, but also like kill all the characters from the last movie, it is completely like unsatisfying, unrewarding, and like genuinely have no clue how they got here. I don't know like who was like, oh, let's just, you know, completely kind of retcon this and start something else. Um, but outside of the context of this as a sequel, I appreciate what this film is doing. Um, God, I find this film very difficult to talk about without going into like a, a, a massive tirade for both for both positive and negatives. But I will, I'll give it short and I'll give it brief. Um, I, I, I'd be careful what I say because I, I, I don't love this film, I, I, and I also I don't adore it. I'm in the middle of those two things. I find this film fascinating on on two levels: the filmmaking wise, uh, and then the actual film itself and how it does its context. Um, Again, I know Jakob, you spoke briefly about its history, which I hope we do delve into because it's fascinating. But I, I, I adore this film for the exact reasons Carson just named off. So I'm just going to throw it out there straight away. I adore Ridley Scott's original. I'm a massive fan of Ridley Scott. Um, absolute, um, uh, I'm like a schoolboy for him. I, I, would, I would do anything for that man. Like, I think he's, he's a fascinating filmmaker. He's still hitting hits off at 85. I find Alien to be a masterpiece in its own right, a film that in his director's cut, he, he, you know, he shaved a minute off. He said it was a perfect film. I think he's quite right in saying that as well. I don't think you could argue against that. I find that Aliens is a very different film to, to, to Alien, of course. Narratively, it's, it's different. Tonally, it's different. Genre is different. I don't vibe with it. I don't like the original cut. 
I also don't like the director's cut. I've seen them both twice and I can't gel with them. It's, it's ironically the only James Cameron film aside from Piranha 2 where I just don't, I don't gel with it at all. I can't see what, I can see what he's getting at, but I don't like the journey. I find it a video game adaption. It's just, I just, it, it's, it's basically a, a zombie film, just a horde film. It, it doesn't really do anything for me. I like the performances a lot. I like them, you know, the, the commentary the film's got I, I like the performances i think bill paxton's quite clearly a stand-up michael bean's excellent scone either again it's it's really showing the formulation for um, you know sarah connor which is you know coming down the line a few years later but i've always had i've always had issues with that so when this film starts it takes away my issues of the previous one and it almost starts afresh and ironically enough i find this closer to the original than this is into aliens and the way I see it like that is the reason why I appreciate it far more than the average person. I'll go as far as to say I think this is a better film than Aliens. And I'll, 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 I'll go further into that in depth, don't get me wrong, but there's everything in here where I gel with. The problem you do have, though, is that it, it, it's, 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 I not want to bring this up every week, but it's very similar to like what is happening now with narrative cinema where, where ex our expectations are being tossed and turned and people get, you know, audiences get not disgusted, but they get riled up about, you know, how can you do this to this character? You know, the Luke Skywalker issue, you know. I think this film did it very, very early. And I think because it was so annihilated in its box office, I don't think it probably got as big of a reception as it should have done of annihilation negativity. Weirdly enough, its cousin, Alien Covenant, has had the same issue with killing off certain characters at its beginning, telling a different story, but attaching it very strangely and very loosely to, a, to an adaption that came, became before it. It's not, it, there's a precedent here of what, what this franchise has done. And ironically, if you could say that it jumped off the bandwagon after this, and I think you'd probably be right for a few years, especially to about 2011. Um, but overall, I find this film fascinating on two levels. Um, well, as, as I mentioned before, this is my second favourite Alien film. I've got to say, this may be an inch off the original for me. I know that's ballsy to say, and I, I, I hope because I'm very interested to see other people's thought, thoughts, but I didn't really. I've seen this film about six times, and every time I've watched it, I've been like, "Oh wow, that's interesting." It was only like a few years ago where I watched the assembly cut because I remember that the you're, you're right, Jakub. They all went in on VHS and were changed in 2003, but the Blu-ray of Alien came out in 2010, so it had a long time to get um, uh, you know a, an excessive amount of of, of you know, viewership on it that they would have done in the cinema. Um, and also, I don't think the Blu-ray does this film any favours, ironically enough, compared to the previous two, which we probably should talk about with the uh, with the assembly cut. But overall, uh, opening statement, I find this film fascinating. I do quite adore it. I actually fall in between both Carson and Jack. Um, I grew up watching the first Alien. Took me a long time to get around to Aliens. Um, I have a soft spot for the Ridley Scott sequels, um, especially Alien Covenant. But Alien 3, um, I probably made a big mistake watching the assembly cut, uh, since this was a fresh watch for me. And there's, there's a lot. There's a lot that I really do like about this film. Technically, the way it's put together, the atmosphere, the lighting, the sets. It's an absolutely impressive horror blockbuster in the sci-fi realm um but then boy uh, i just didn't care that much what was going on 
Um, it's just, it's like the assembly cut is over two hours long, which is a lot. And just like Carson said, by kind of retconning what happened at the end of Aliens, already killing some characters off, um, it creates this new cast of, of convicts that, that there's, some, there's two really good characters and we'll get into it later on. But other than that, there's there's sprinkles of interesting, like interesting motivations, interesting character moments, interesting story here and there. But it's just a bit too brought down by its plotting that gets like way too long, especially in the climax. But it's it also has some of the best performances in the franchise, I think. Um, Sigourney Weaver is fantastic in this one. And there's some really, really impressive scenes of tension and of horror. Um, and it does go back to the roots of the original, which is appreciated after the extravaganza that was Aliens. So yeah, I'm, I'm not in love with this film, far from it. But I don't hate it as much as other people I've seen do. Right, okay. Well, strap yourselves in, boys, because it, you know, there's a, there's a story to it. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll I'll put it this way. Um, I don't want to say I don't want to you know mark a neck, mark, mark a cross um, on the bingo card and say I have a long history of this film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I do have is an interesting history because I have seen Alien Three before I saw Aliens. Um, so I and I was well say. I think I was a teenager when I saw this first time. So I saw Alien and I saw Alien 3. And then I think it was just ahead of the release of the fourth one. Um, and the only reason why I didn't see Aliens is my VHS rental store in my town did not have it. So I couldn't so I couldn't physically see it because, you know, I didn't get money to... Is this know. in Poland, Jacob? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so my, my local VHS rental store just did not have Aliens. Um, they did get it eventually later, but, you know, like, it's just they, they didn't have it, so... Tough luck, I presume. So what I could do in, initially was basically just judge it against the original, just without the sort of intermediary of this, um, the series taking a, a detour into a completely different genre. Because you could argue that, say, that Alien is a horror film. Aliens is a quote-unquote war film in space. And then Alien 3 is kind of trying, trying to do some, trying to... Um, I don't want to say reinvent the wheel, but it's trying to do some um, kind of get back to the original roots while um, throwing certain, some aspects of, uh, of it out the window. So I am, um, and, I, and, and I always lo loved this film. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to say that it's my second favorite alien film, because I mean, we might as well get, it, get to it later uh, as we finish the discussion and try and rank all these just for shits and giggles. But, um, but it's very... Uh, it's very high up there and for a number of reasons and then for this recording now I, I have to admit I have seen I, I've watched both the theatrical and the assembly just to just for comparison because I do periodically come back to these films and I'll, I will always re-watch them like once a year once every couple of years so I'll, I'll try and watch all of them um, and, and well maybe with the exception of the fourth one I never kind of just have the stamina to go and watch the fourth one which is weird enough um and um, I will, sometimes I'll watch the assembly. Sometimes I'll, uh, sometimes I'll watch the theatrical, and I'll always have a good time. And now I, and now, I, now that I watch them almost back to back, I watched the theatrical two days ago, and then assembly last night. I kind of have a feeling I know why, 
but I'll, I'll, let's get to this. Uh, let's leave this, park this for, for a second. So in, t- in terms of initial impressions, I, w- I was always um, kind of like an- the antithesis of Carson in this. I actually enjoyed the fact that they had the balls to um, start with uh, killing some of the characters from the first one, just start afresh. And then they, they, they had the balls to kind of just fuck with you a little bit and say, well, yeah, let's... Um, Let's let's not treat everyone like they're they're superheroes. Let's just reinvent the lore a little bit. So it's it's something that we kind of get now, especially in television, like The Walking Dead or like Game of Thrones, where no one's safe. Characters are kind of mistreated half the time because well, there's no sanctity in 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 character development. Everyone's kind of a you know potential victim, and 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 you get to kind of just reinvent and then re discover certain aspects of these characters. And I always loved this. And um, the aesthetic is a certain separate thing because apart, apart from, prima, let's, let's just say in comparison to the original Alien, Alien 3, uh, which Alien to me is a timeless film, as in it could have easily been made in the 80s, 70s, 60s, 90s, 2010s even, like you couldn't tell. The Alien 3 is decidedly made in the early 90s. Like you can't, you can't escape this, it's very 90s. But I kind of like it about it. Uh, it has its own aesthetic. It has its own sort of anger and fury, and 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 I and, and I do enjoy this. And then and I have to say, I'm I kind of expected to be kind of the most positive about this. I'm not sure wh- whether I am because I think Jack is um, very positive about it. So I'm happy that at least for once we're on the same side. <laughs> <laughs> not for long, hmm? Not for long. Oh Jesus! Um, you know. I'll, I'll take what I can. I'll take my victories when I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, I mean, character development in The Walking Dead, that's, a, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? I wouldn't put them things together. No, no, but well, the, the idea of introducing a character and mistreating it and then just making sure that they, or not, le- not letting the audience sort of acquaint themselves with them because they might go in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this idea that you, know, just, you don't treat them as something that, that will carry on because they, they might just go in the next episode. And that's pretty much the sort of that's happened in there. Why this happened, I think we'll get to it in, in later. But the uh, in terms of my, the initial sort of gambit, um, I am I, I am a fan of this film, and then every time I watch this, I I remember why because um with all its flaws, with all special effects that are dated, it's always a fun time. Even the assembly cut, which is two and a half hours almost, still a fun time to me. So I'm um so yeah so these are my opening impressions and we might as well actually get to it like now because like Carson you you mentioned this already that you had a problem with um, how they treated the characters that the Ripley is kind of no longer herself um, so my I, okay my interpretation of this had always something to do with the persona of David Fincher because he was a young hotshot sort of director who was basically trying to break into the industry and to impress people as well. So maybe some of it, some of these decisions were his, maybe some of the decisions were Walter Hills, uh, who, because the people who produced and wrote the screenplays, they desperately wanted to kind of just do something different. So here's the question, like, is this, is this too different? Is this too artificial? Because everyone seems to always point this out, that you know, they, always, they lack the character of Newt, which I was never a fan of. Um, um, she, she always stuck out to me because she was, I don't know, it, it's a, I don't know, it, it's, a, it, it's a gamble when you work with kids and then she's just not a convincing, a convincing actress in Aliens, at least to me. Um, and um, so I didn't really care that much, especially that I, 
saw aliens after I saw Alien 3, so I didn't have a connection with these characters. I was like, ah, I don't care if they died, right? So, uh, yeah, is it, so let's just address the elephant in the room and then and then see what what the problem is with these characters and whether David Fincher had something to do with this. What do you think? Not all at once. Oh, I'll, I'll go. Well, just repeat the question. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering because um, this this is something that keeps kind of resurfacing everywhere and it actually has surfaced already. Like you mentioned this and Carson mentioned this, that the fact the um, characters have been mistreated, right? Because they uh, they were, say, Newt and uh, Hicks were killed almost off screen. Like, they haven't even okay. been cast, right? Um, well, and then Ellen Ripley is, is someone else entirely. She's um, she's not the sort of the uh, superheroine that she kind of grew has grew into being. She's some someone else, uh, and then you kind of have to get used to the fact that she's a an almost entirely a different person. Is this a good decision? Why and and why uh, do you yeah, think this I mean, happened? I think I think you look at it twofold, right? The first one is that you look at it through the context of the franchise. This is a woman who was sent on false pretenses to the first planet an alien, whereas whereas you know. The, Wayland Yutani, they wanted to know, to know where the, where this xenomorph was. In the second film, she's also sent on false pretenses with the knowledge that her daughter has died to go to this planet again and 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 you know destroy them all and false pretenses to bring something back. And this film, she's also at the end uh, given false pretenses allegedly. We, we you know I think it's somewhat inferred in the film depending on if Bishop is lying or not. But this is a franchise, especially the fourth film as well, where it consistently lies and manipulates a central woman, um, usually done by men, but mostly by a corporate entity. By the time she gets to this film, she has both her um, saving factors who, who, who got her out of uh, you know, death's door in the previous entity, both dying in, in, in the most horrific fashion, while she is the one who, out of, two, out of the two of them, probably wants to end her life not knowing there's not much out there. She's yet survived this horrible crash. It's probably the, the, the basis of where that film starts off. That film is a prison in itself to Ripley. And I think the, the prison, uh, you know, an actual fact by what Fincher uses as a, as a set piece, as a setting, should I say, um, emphasizes that oh, quite on the nose. Um, and then you have to look at it through the, the prism of filmmaking. Um, this is Fincher all over. I mean, this, this has not been a kind relationship with, with him, with Fox. Um, he was very surprised at Fight Club. Ever he came back and distributed um, at Fight Club for him, uh, which was again by Fox after having the abysmal relationship he did here. I mean, they sunk seven million dollars before they even did a screenplay with this film. He just he just dunked money constantly. So I, I can imagine that when a lot of directors say, "Oh, I put my passion here," but I put blood, sweat, and tears. It's one of the very, the very few films for me where I can actually see that as a, as a literal sense within this film. I've always found it difficult to sort of, and maybe someone here will 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 uh, will offer otherwise, but I've always found it somewhat difficult to sort of assess this film as being nihilistic. I think if anything, it's sadistic, um, and it's very pessimistic. In what but way I, nihilistic? Well, well, well the, I mean, Hans uh, 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 Hans what's his name? Lance Henriksen is that his name? Uh, yes. And yes, he's sir. on record to saying it's too nihilistic. There's a lot lot of performers here, a lot of pro uh, pro producers who were on board. Scott's one of them. I've said that this film is too dark. And I find that quite, not only blasé, but slightly hypocritical for these people to, to have worked on a franchise before. That what, because it's in, in an action genre, Aliens isn't sadistic. I mean, they, they put these group of people knowing full well they're not going to come back on a planet 
uh, marooned on on a planet um, against an alien life, you know, life force, alien. I think is what one of the worst things you could ever be happen to is is what put, someone puts you in that position as a corporate entity and personnel on there. This film is just an um, it is an evolution of that. She 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 gets put in a men's prison. She's she's been told by men throughout the previous two entities lies, deception, and then she's put in, in into a into well she's in, uh, incarcerated with other felons who are rapists. You know, I I think this film does go slightly too far in, you know, this is very aggressive. But I think it comes through the passion of the, you know, the setting of, and the mood of, of how this film was made. I mean, the biggest mistake here that this film wasn't set on Earth because it was always taught to be that. The, the concept, I mean, they had a trailer. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was <laughs> always... I think it was, what was it, 18, it wouldn't be 89, it would, was it 1991? 1991 like, is the trailer. I, I yeah, think it's a little sample. Yeah. Yes, and they said, this time on Earth, something, you know, aliens will face up, face mean, up against humans. Like, this, the, like the, how much of a fuck-up is this, by the way? Yeah, I mean, I mean um, Disney are going to rectify that with a, with a new Noah Harley, um, uh, you know, produced by Ridley Scott, allegedly, on planet Earth, with a new alien uh, TV series. I, I'll see it when I believe it. I want, a, oh, wow. I want an alien continent, too. I hope Nick uh, agrees with that because I'm leaving someone back in my fucking corner on those films. Um, but again, you you have two massive, massive directors. Scott had made Blade at that, that point. He made a string of commercial flops, don't get me wrong, but there was still a passion on on, on show for Scott. J Jim Cameron, again, again, he'd made The Abyss. He'd made... Um, he'd, he'd, the Terminator, I, he, he did. I've heard yeah, of that. Yeah, he, he was very well aware of what he could do. After this, he obviously went back to the Terminator franchise. Um, and then made True Lies, and then some of the uh, absolute piece of shit. But, we oh, talk but about. then Titanic made a shit ton of money as well. Yeah, so yeah, I was inferring Avatar like, there, in... not Titanic. Uh, Avatar's, I mean, questionable. But it's Sorry, also like, questionable. Uh, until recently the biggest film ever, right? So you know, like, he, he. Uh, oh my god, let's not let's not go on public opinion, please. No, like, no. In terms, just... in terms of just box office box office numbers, this this film pulled shit ton of money. So Jim Cameron knows how to make money, making making commercial successes. Like, yeah, yeah, but Jim Cameron it. is. is He's quite usual in the right place at the right time. I mean, yes. him spending millions and millions of dollars in, in proclaiming a new visual effect here in Avatar 2, I don't think will go the same way as Avatar did in the original thing. I, I think he's misguided on the intensity of that. But again, if oh, you put enough. 10 years of your life into something, you want to see it be a success, you know, do you. I want to, I, I'd rather have a True Lies sequel. I'll bring Schwarzenegger back for Avatar 2, whatever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, but I'm, I'm done with, I'm done with James Cameron at this point. I, he was a man who promised, like Peter Jackson. I'm, I'm, we're going off here. You started. No, this. no, no. You but let's, okay, let's, let's 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 keep, let's let's keep it because there was, well, there just, was a point just, I wanted it's to. Relevant. It's relevant because Is there it? were two filmmakers who were brought up and who were who were changing the film industry Fair one enough, by yeah. one. They was they were pushing the boundaries. You you have a, a massive follow up with Aliens, not because of the cult status of it and the commercial success, but it was everything that everybody wanted during the Cold War. It was the Americans or. or or a world well, united a, against it's, it's uh, not against Cold a War. Enemy. It's, it's a post Vietnam film almost, as in, like, well, look, we I, may I, have I, lost I, the war against Vietnam. I mean, no, we, no we were winning against Xenomorphs. Yeah. Right? No disrespect, but any any American against the world is a war film. I mean, like, no offense, Carson, yeah. but it, it's very much in that DNA of, of that. And so, you know, I mean, it's, it's been part of the popular culture ever, ever since. Yeah, world and it war still is. Anyway. Look, at, we look at when we did the Monsterverse, I mean, you could look at that. I mean, I mean, yeah. like, you know. Um, no, I mean, but... look at Super, Superman as well in Justice League. It's, like, it's, it's repulsive at one point. But my point is, is that when, when you have two, and they're very two distinctively different palettes, and you have Alien 3, 
and it, and the opening segment denies you the impulse of, of going back to those memories, you are going to fuck off at least 70% of your audience. Yep. And the fact that those 30%, 30% of people <clears throat> have then got to watch a version of a film that the director didn't like, who no one liked making. I mean, this film was, was from the point, well, before even Fincher started, before Aliens finished, when, when Aliens finished, the day of, and the, the, it, from that moment, until the release, well, not even that, in 2003, this film was fucked. I mean, they had to shave Sigourney Weaver's head twice because of reshoots. They paid her extra money. Like, she just ransacked them. Here's a question. Here's a question, because you you touched on on something in here. Um, And maybe maybe we can throw it to the the entire panel. Yeah, yeah. when you mentioned, oh yeah, this is too dark and too nihilistic. Would the would like what do you think? Would people have said the same thing had they not killed Ripley in the end? Like well, if, this, even the, with even with Newt and Hicks going off in the first uh, well, three seconds, if, if you if if it ended in a happy happy ending like Aliens and Alien with her surviving, I think this wouldn't be seen as a nihilistic. But I'll I'll throw it out over to you guys. What do you? To say, I was I was just going to go on to that. The three films that we see, right, they're all about survival, right. But each one of them has an element of hope. This one doesn't. And I think as a trilogy, it works effectively in that way. We can talk about Alien Resurrection. I think I, that, 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 thing, that needed to be a film in its own right without Ripley. And I think bringing that back sort of undermines this as a trilogy. If you want to see these films as a trilogy, you have a beginning of a very young, naive woman. You have a, the, the building of a woman. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that condescending, but she, she has layers. She's built up. She becomes something that at the end of that film, she does not start as. And in this film, she's she's just tired. She's had enough. She's tired. And she's surviving a, a, a nether endless armor. And at the end of that film, there is only one way she can go. And she knows if she if she, if she dies, then this story, this this whole uh, this pull for, to to a, a you know a, a, well gain this xenomorph inside her, but generally the constant story of her needs to you know come full circle. And in that fact, when you look at it in that context, I think this film is exceptional in dealing with not only a PTSD, I think there's a lot of elements here. I think there's a lot of layers here to, to begin with, but there's a lot to look at Ripley, as Carson said, someone's damaged here. And I think how this film, it's not someone who's in a mental institute. It's not like we're examining her on a very on-the-nose level. This is brewing up in the background. This is a woman having to deal with PTSD, deal with um, deception to deal with morality and deal with a life that she's just escaped to be in another prison. I think it's a very interesting film to watch Sigourney Weaver as a character, uh, as Ripley should I say, um, ultimately sort of develop like that. I think this film had to end in the in the in the moral compass. It does. It because it goes full circle. It's a film about pessimism. It's about believing corporate entity that lies. I mean, we're seeing that more now than ever. I find this film fucking morbidly relevant which frightens me you know who thought that alien fucking three would be socially relevant to our times and it is i mean we can see it now i think it's very interesting i mean again i'm i'm, I'm, I'm going on on here more and more but i always find that these three films are about survival but you can only take that narrative theme so long before it becomes fucking boring that's what the mcu d- 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 struggles with the walking dead yeah, it's a fucking horde of zombies. Yeah, but none of them fucking die. It's like I'm sorry, but like that's what Game of Thrones in its first seven seasons or six seasons did relatively well in upping the ante of stakes. This film has it. It does. It has. It has to have that, and it does. It pays the ultimate price. 
And I mean, it has to come to that. I don't really see any other way. There's no way that she could have escaped this with new. And also, I agree with you. I find that char- character interesting as a as a as a character study. But that's definitely James Cameron. That's writing new in to you know give a protective shield over Ripley, maybe to make her more likable. Uh, I mean, that she's a, she, like that she's a no, mother. She, I don't think Ripley needed that. I think I think he give well Newt is there because in uh, Ripley is a mother who spent 60 years in hyper sleep or whatever and then she basically just missed out on being a, a mother so she gets the chance to to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean it's not one of my favorite aspects of it, aliens. Like in in aliens they do they do mention this. Oh, you're you're you, do you want to meet your daughter when you go to the, to earth and she's like 80 oh no, she died and when she was like 80 something and then she, yeah. she she's like in her like Sigourney Weaver is in her 30s then. So she, she basically pic- just m- missed out. Actually, isn't that picture actress Sigourney Weaver's mother as well, which I think is interesting. Oh, I don't know. I know it is. I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying know. to get. I know it is. But anyway, so, so here's, trying to, here's the I'm question. trying to see if he's wrong. So, so the, <laughs> the fundamental question is now whether, whether the film would have been received better if they, if at least Ripley survived at the end. And well, does, the, it, the does, it, does it actually no. make it? Does, I, does, does it make the film? You better know, the answer to that is yes. In, really? in the short then, run, the, the answer is yes. Yeah. In the long run, I think it's prospered. That's my opinion, anyway. I, yeah. Okay, there's about a million things I could respond to with what you guys just said in your <laughs> marathon of a debate. Um, I, I think though, like I was, oh, I was going to compare James Cameron to Ang Lee. Um, I think that's, that's plenty dark one, enough. Actually. When, at, yeah, it was. I know. Um, I think at the beginning when she has to like kill who she sees as her daughter, like I think that's pretty like emotional and dark on its own. I don't know if Ripley surviving at the end really like it's such a fun movie, you know, like she almost gets raped. Like it's plenty dark on its own outside of that scene alone. But I think going back to your first two questions you asked, Jakob, I think I just fundamentally disagree with both of your statements on this film that you asked. Number one, you asked about Ripley's character and her being something different here and if that was an issue. I agree with Jack Foley. She's been evolving since the first movie in a very natural progression, even if the plot around her might not always be so well built. I mean, just compared to the second film where she's driving that truck and she just loses herself and she can't comprehend. She just like reacts just immediately because she has PTSD and she can't, you know, comprehend. She can't think. She's just trying to survive to here where she has to rationally consistently think out what to do to survive. It's a very clear evolution on how you deal with PTSD and how you deal with trauma and how you survive from trauma. I fully agree. I think this is not a her. It's her evolving and changing, but it's not like, oh, what, you know, wow, they didn't understand the character. I think this film understands the character maybe the best this series ever has, which is really like, even if the plot itself is kind of weird, I think this character, very clear, natural progression. Your other question, um, what, well, one of your questions was David Fincher um, and possibly his impact on like killing the characters and stuff. I think Fincher deserves quite a bit of slack here. Fincher is like right now a force to be reckoned with, right? Like he is a name, he is Mank, he has plenty of features. He's coming into the third edition of a sci-fi franchise where the other two editions are two of the best and most legendary and big sci-fi directors of all time. Like definitely I imagine he has some stress going into this film and trying to live up to that hype. And plus, I mean, you, the production was a fucking mess. Oh, he had, studio, you know all he had shit to prove sure. as well because he only came, he came in there as someone who directed George Michael videos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that's not good. George no, no, but that's, that, that was his resume. Music videos yeah, only. He didn't do pop. shorts. He didn't do documentaries. He was only you know, music you know, videos, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm Madonna. I'm Madonna. Um, and Madonna you know, and Paula Abdul and Billy Idol. And, like, yeah. you know, he, he was a big shot music video director, but he had shit to prove. And I think he wanted to kind of just, you know, 
ruffle some feathers as well. Do you know? Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you bring up about giving him some slack about that about killing off the characters because you said there that, that you know he's a force to reckon with now, but we we did on our first inaugural um, Go Uncle James. We did Mission to Mars, which yes, is a direct. Did. Also came into a sci-fi project. Um, <clears throat> but I, I forget the name, uh, but you know, uh, never did. Yeah, never. No, 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 not not Coppola, not not De Palma. Mission to Mars. No, no, no. Red Planet. What the fuck am I on about? Sorry. Yep. So he's Red Planet is a director who came in, made a sci-fi project. He was so burnt out with the prospect of working with the studio and on that film, never made anything again. Do you think you would make that same assumption about Fincher making those character judgments if he'd never made a film after this? Probably. Tough one, I mean, I'm, I mean, it, I'm, I'm it's similar to M Night Shyamalan with Wide Awake or whatever that film is. Like, oh. yeah, I think I would judge. Him. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. That's an interesting wrinkle. Um, mm, no, yeah. but what I what I what I will say now because it's not like I'm trying to make these statements because I I like the the way she's uh, changing and by the way I, I kind of wanted to kind of just throw in here there's a word that's been said quite a few times now evolution and um I, I've always it, it always eluded me and until sort of yesterday when I watched the assembly cut for the umpteenth time is that the entire trilogy if you if you d- disregard what happened next so alien aliens and alien three you could mm-hmm. see. That, a, that Ellen Ripley evolves throughout the film. Maybe, well, probably you're, you're correct in saying that as a result of trauma and PTSD and what happens to her, but she's also symmetrical to the alien itself because she adapts, she reacts. And that's the, the entire thesis of the, of, the, of the creature is that it evolves in, 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 its, in its host, takes some of its features and then adapts to its environment. Like in original Alien, it... Ha- it ah, well, Jakub, but it that, looks, that, that, it looks that concept's like still introduced here, though, isn't it? No, that no, no. That concept's only introduced here. Um, the concept it, of adap- adapting, like of Ellen Ripley adapting, it kind of just is woven into the whole three films. And I think this but, but, is but also... But it's, it's, it's literally here, though, isn't it? This is where it's first inferred uh, that... No, it, no. She, oh, no, she evolves from being a company, a, com- a company sort of, um, sort of puppet, into because she she oh, she's about following protocol and then she's about surviving and then she's she adapts and reacts to everything, all throughout three films. In in the third one, it's yes, it's fleshed out the most, and then you can see like she she goes into a prison colony and then the, I think Charles S. Dutton t- tells her, oh you know you wouldn't like me because I'm a rapist, I rape women. And then she she doesn't flinch. She doesn't. She just say says something like, "Oh, I must make you uncomfortable." As in, well, this is this is me now. I'm in this room. I'm taking charge. I'm the alpha female here. I'm the I, I'm I'm the person who's going who's going to be on top in here. So she's clearly making sort of snap of the fingers sort of on on the which spot is something decisions. she learned yeah. in the second film, where when she tried to follow the oh, orders the, and try to be a side piece, that it fucking failed. Yeah. And well, she's also learned in the first one when she yeah. when 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 she when she trusted Ash because he he was following protocol, and then she's she realized realized that you know androids had ulterior motives. Like this this carries, and then yeah. that's why I think that all throughout three films, her character is written brilliantly, and I have a feeling that this is something that Walter Hill deserves quite a lot of credit for. Um, uh, but in in the third one, I I totally agree that she's. She's coming into her own as a fully fleshed character, even though she makes a turn in comparison to the second one, because she's com- a completely different person. If you look at her, um, if you just put the rep- Ripley in Aliens and Ripley in Alien three side by side, they're completely different people. But as a res- but sure. one is a result of the other. Well, just I, 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 just going back to the Finch and the Red Planet comparison, 
Yeah. I don't mean that to trip you up, Carson. I, ge- I generally do find it a fascinating thing to think about because yeah. I-, I think you're right. I th- I- not to infer what you said there uh, to-, to speak for you, but I think regardless, if he would have never made that film, uh, more a film again after that. I still think that decision holds up to do what he did because ultimately you're looking at it on reflection and it does work. It's his film. And I think, I think, you know, there's this budding director and I think, I think when someone comes into a major franchise, anyone would have had to be in big shoes to fill that. And ironically enough, and, and coincidentally, it happened to be a man called David Fincher who went on to become his own auteur. It's a coincidence, it's fate, we don't know. It's very interesting that he came on board for this. Um, I mean, I, I think it's hard. I think that's, it's a hard point because like it's the same point you could talk about like even Rise of Skywalker leading up to Last Jedi, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, that is the decision that makes Alien 3 the best film it can be and what it's trying to be. It doesn't support Aliens. It doesn't support yes. the franchise as a series. It 100% supports this film. It works th- uh, thematically. It adds that stakes that in the very beginning, she has to make that choice. Like it's very clear that like th- that yes. helps this film as a series though. I think it hurts the whole struggle of aliens. Aliens is supposed to be while they're getting out. She has this daughter figure. That's a big moment. It completely sidesteps that moment. But like, yeah, you can do that debate. Should David Fincher be trying to make the series the best it can be or this film? You know, I, 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 that's I, a debate. I would concede that. to well that as well. That's very well I think you're correct there. I think you're bang mm-hmm. on. Same. Yeah. Nicola, you wanted to say something? Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you said. I, I think, I do think the biggest elements, like so many sequels, it's brought down by being connected to the previous ones for all the reasons that Carson said, because it's it's kind of cheap. And, and even the actors felt the same way. Like Michael Bean, anyone who played New, they both said like, yeah, we, we don't like this decision for our characters because it completely breaks what happened at the end of the previous film. But then again, you do get, I do think it's a very interesting arc for Ripley and Sigourney Weaver, like give her all the marriage she deserves because she carries this entire trilogy. I still haven't seen Resurrection, but in those first three films, she owns them completely. And it's a level of vulnerability as well that she has in this film. Um, I wouldn't say tension. I never felt like she was in danger of dying in any single way, especially since they explained that, oh, the alien can get to her because she's carrying the egg and everything. But, But there's so many wonderful, wonderful moments with her um, just interacting both with Charles Dance and Charlie Statham, that they give a level of humanity to this film that I think was 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 present in a way in Aliens, but I think it's the strongest of the trilogy, especially at the ending. And you were we were talking about whether it's nihilistic or not. I didn't find it nihilistic. I found it not uplifting but inspiring. Um, mm. the, like we we're talking about the ultimate sacrifice, kind of like the classic end of a tragic hero, of a tragic figure doing the ultimate sacrifice to save themselves and save the world and the future from ultimate doom. Because of course they were just going to get the alien from her. There's no way they were actually going to help her out. We yeah, agreed. That. Yeah. Um, Can I quickly say though? I know we're ignoring Alien Four here for the most part, and like I've not seen Alien Four personally, so I can't speak fully on that film. I just read the quick synopsis. The choice that they make with her character, I think, becomes very nihilistic when you look at this as far as like her relationship with the military, right? Like how they use her and also like your identity, your purpose, you know, like she is this human and we value being human, obviously. But like, really, they could just like make a clone and use her also. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a very, mm-hmm. like, I think Alien 4, at least from what I read again, I've not seen it all. I think that makes this choice in this movie seem more nihilistic. I mean, I mean it, I, 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 retroactively, I mean, I think Alien Resurrection is a very interesting film. I'm a massive fan of the director. I really love his director film, Delicatessen. If you haven't seen that, oh God, fucking watch that film. It's amazing. But Alien Resurrection is an interesting because it's French flair um, in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, with trying to connect to a, an assembled piece that doesn't work. I mean, that film has to work with Ripley, but ultimately becomes its own downfall. So it's it, it's... It's it's made ingredients is literally the thing that makes it worse, you know. Um, I, 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 again, the, the one thing I want to bring up here it's in it's it's interesting to sort of bring this up because I always find that this is something that people don't really recognise, but they do say it. And we and there there has been people who said it here. Is I've always found that when people make comments about its running time to be excessive, very interesting because the director's cut of its predecessor is the same length. Well, and I find hours. that. Ex- yeah. yeah, it's 50 minutes. I think I find that excessively boring in Aliens. I honestly do. I find it just repulsively just okay. Like I don't really care about the characters. You're all going to die. I mean, I mean, there's know, no intensity. There's no. It's nothing like Alien. I don't care. Whereas this, know, what's what's, ad- what's added in Aliens is one sort of sub act on like before uh, the Mer- yes. yeah, which it, is completely new, unneeded. Yeah, new, Newt's um, mother yeah. and father. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, so it's like, that's there's like 20 minutes that does it doesn't add anything. Well, I mean, if if you've got if if, if Fox comes to and said we'll pay you for it, James Cameron, you know, he takes a bag, doesn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah. But um, again, I've had a drink tonight, so don't don't use that in a, in a law of court. But um, I find that the the the, the it's interesting because you know when I've mentioned it before, Alien, a minute a, a minute taken off, sh- sh- shaved off, uh, Aliens. Uh, I think it's is it. I think it's like thirty minutes longer or something. Thirty like minutes that. longer. Yeah, like the original cut is an hour and 50, 58. It's, it's about 35 like the, minutes longer. The autonomous um, machine guns, they don't, they're not in the theatrical cuts. I, ju- I just find that well. this film works wonders. And, and, and again, uh, you can, again it's, it's one of those things where it's twofold. You look at the context of the film, you look at the filmmaking history of it. This film needed to be sprawled out because of the issues it had. But I think it's a better film for its length. I wanted to get anyone else's thoughts on that because I don't think this film could have been any shorter. But I also really wouldn't have wanted it any longer. I think you, you're here on this journey for quite a long time and you are on a journey, but it's one that feels very much a secular, interesting journey rather than aliens, which feels like you're stuck in one place. Again, I'm not going to contradict myself because we're in a prison. Um, but I feel, like Carson said, the evolution in Alien 3 is such so much more interesting rather than aliens, which is like, okay, like she needs to protect this person. Everyone's getting killed one by one. To me, I'm like, ah... I don't feel the stakes are there. Whereas here, and like Nicola said, you, you said you didn't think she was ever going to die. I didn't think she was ever going to die, but I thought I thought there was moral stakes here where she could seriously be be put through uh, the the ringer as if. And um, but yeah, I've always thought that the the length here was very much more needed than any other film in this franchise. Um, That's actually interesting when you say because just watching the film, the assembly cut specifically, I don't know what they would have cut. Honestly, mm-hmm. and that's something that's that's commendable. It was more a matter of pacing, more so than content. It felt kind of like a kind of like a park ride, a theme park ride, where you just kept like ramping up, ramping up. You had like an intense scene that had some co- interesting conversations right beforehand, and then it's like, oh, okay, okay, climax, and then it just comes crashing down. And you're just like, oh, okay, and then it just starts building up again and again, and. 
as soon as it got to the climax, which lasts almost half an hour, I think, in the film when they're trying to kill the alien, it just felt like it was never going to end. <laughs> That's when it was just felt so tired. Um, it was like, okay, we know where we're going. Let's just get to it. I don't know if it's a problem of the assembly cut specifically. I don't know where they've added key scenes or not, but it was definitely pacing more so than story because every every interaction felt relevant, uh, especially in building up the new characters. I mean, if I may, um, in, as far as, I mean, I, I have a note on the assembly cut that I've written down as well, when I finished the assembly cut on this, on this occasion, which I have like a side-by-side -side comparison. I'd say I like both and, I, and they both accomplish two different things. The theatrical cut um, is more about pacing and basically just telling you the story that would put butts in seats in a cinema and works as a, as a sort of ride because it doesn't, it doesn't stop where the assembly cut sort of slows down. It just, it, it's, it's over before you know it. It's, 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 it's very sort of effective in that way. Now, it comes at the expense of character nuance because um, essentially all the, all the men on the planet are literally just nameless, faceless people. They don't, like, the only people you could possibly pick out is Charles Dance, and uh, Charles S. Dutton, like other people, they're just, they don't count. And maybe the guy who's, uh, who's, whose nickname's 85, but he, they're all sort of known. They're basically like the Marines and aliens, as in they're just cliches. In, in the assembly cut, they add, I think like five or six conversations that just happen in there. And, but they, they just, as you say, they just slow down the action. Or like you have a massive set piece and all of a sudden you, you're into like a room with a five minute long conversation that's just out of nowhere, but it's kind of needed to kind of give these people a little bit of depth. And then the entire sequence where they trap the alien into um, the sort of the room and then the guy opening the room, it's not in the theatrical cut. That's, that's a new thing. Um, and that takes like 15 minutes. So that's mo most of the additions there. And then the, uh, there is a change in the ending as well. Uh, because in the ending uh, of theatrical, the chest burster comes out of Ripley as she as she falls into the la into the molten lead, whereas it doesn't yeah, I've happen. Seen this in... clip, yeah. Yeah, so it makes a different ending. Um, well, hasn't the hasn't the um, alien which runs down the corridors is also CGI'd in the film as well? Uh, yes. Uh, so and then the first of, person some of the is effects also have been sort well. of uh, fixed in two thousand three, so, and you can actually see it. Yes, that it's uh, yeah. that's that's very sort of early two thousands. Sort of early CG because in the original cut there is one CG shot which is the lead cracking on the on the uh, um, alien's head. Oh wow! When when they when they put water over it, that's a CG shot. That's the only CG shot in the film. The rest is puppets and a man in the suit. Um, but yeah, so I have a thing that it, the answer is both. As in, it deserves its length. As the assembly cut does two different things. I kind of see it as the uh, sort of Lord of the Rings theatrical cut and the, and the extended edition. I, I, I would actually advise if you have not seen the theatrical cut, it's probably better to watch the theatrical cut first and then the assembly cut so you know what the differences are because one is a, is a more effective sort of cinematic experience and the other is a better film. I'm going to have to severely push back on that statement. I think I don't, I'm, I'm, not going to, I'm going to be very calm here and collected, but I'm, I don't want to go into a rant thing. I find no, that anyone, no, you can anyone, anyone you know. anybody who likes this, the theatrical cut, who rates it over the assembly cut, I wouldn't trust. I wouldn't let them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust them. I don't, ra I don't rate it above Seriously. one above the other. They're two. They're two different entities. They, they're, yeah, yeah, they're kind of, that's you know. that's fair enough. But I, the, the first the first entity of that film is hated by every single person who was involved with it, 
I mean, the whole point of making the director's cut and the assembly cut was to, to bring the director's, uh, you know, formulation of the, of the film together. Well, Anyone had nothing who, to do with the assembly, by the way. Yeah, that's fair enough. And that's, I'm, I'm trying to sort of not, not name drop him here because I know that, that, that's not relevant. But I, I do find that anyone who likes that film or that version of film over this, I find that frightening. And I find that frightening on multiple levels. But first and foremost, like I said, nobody likes the fucking thing who was involved with it. That's a big red flag. Secondly, the film, like you said, is over. It tells a very different story. It's not glued together properly. It's not edited properly. It's not fleshed out properly. On every single level, that film and its entirety is a failure. Um, right? No, no. I, I will push back on this. Oh, There's one no. aspect of the theatrical cut that works, as in oh, nearly Which a third of the film, nearly a third of the film is this massive set piece where they're trying to trap it into into the lead and that's something that you just blink and the film's over because it's it, it but it's 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 in both cuts because it's such an amazing set piece but it's a third of the theatrical cut yeah which is, I mean, but, which is just amazing set piece i think that's fair enough but, but yeah. i mean it, it it's it, you know it's 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 i i i, I don't think that's a, a a particularly fond point of the film though if you've got if you're three parts of your film are one set piece and it's 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 the highlight to me, I find that that's slightly worrying. Again, nobody's talked about memorable moments in there because in the theatrical cut, there isn't any. I don't I find any of the characters... 30 minutes of no, it. Oh, yeah, but that, that's, that, that's a set piece of the entirety of that film. Yes. I find that... that I mean, again, I, I, I don't... I, I, would, I would argue against that just purely because if three quarters of your film, by definition, is, 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 is the strongest part, I'm like... I mean, what about the you now iconic moment where uh, Ripley's against the wall and Alien kind of comes back, comes right up? No, no I, I, that's I, I gave, yeah. Cut. I mean, I yeah, mean, and that's a great scene and a great it's moment. A and it's it's now iconic. Yeah, it's a flick and a flare, but I mean, a, a clock oh, yeah. strikes that day, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't particularly think that these moments in film, are, especially in this, and, and it can be compared iconic wise to that franchise because you had the, the poster first and foremost. Is a declaration of uh, uh, what what the definition of what is iconic in cinema history. But then my point is is that I I, I I feel like the same reason this is what happening lately. And that it's so interesting when we look at this film and we look at cinema now is that when you look at this abomination of a theatrical cut, the first fucking thing comes to mind is that Justice League thing. It's it's and it's fucking Rise of Skywalker. It's a, it's a bit of a different story though than than Justice League because it's no, not no, no, some, it's no, no, not, I, it's I not mean, a director I mean, being being weaseled out of the out of the project. No, no, it no. Was basically, I mean, just the, the whole production was a mess. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. There's, there's a completely different context of why these films went to the degree they were. But my point is, it's that these that there is a studio that budges a director who has a vision, who who they cut, they did they they assemble something entirely different in its entirety release it to paying fucking customers and franchises who are beloved by people all over the world that have mortal, immortal, iconic statements and sentiments within the realm of media, arts, cinema to be to be thrown out and then to, to be cast away to like fucking dogs in the wind. It's like, there you go, $15, $35 in IMAX, thank you later. And there are, there, I, that to me is... The, the most condescending and patronising thing possible. And Fox have got a relatively good, you know, um, message statement with all that stuff, haven't they? It's not like they've not done that, you know, before ever in, in its entirety. But my point that remains is that I don't, you can't trust the theatrical cut of, of this film. You can't cut, uh, trust the theatrical cut of many um Fox films. I mean, look at the look at the theatrical cut of Kingdom of Heaven. The Predator is amazing. At... Die Hard is amazing. What do? You oh mean? my God! But they, they were <laughs> they were made they were made by John McTiernan in the eighties. Yes. He was off his tits on cocaine. 
They're very and different. And he was formulas. also brilliant. And that, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I mean, then he did, he did mix basic. I mean, with John Travolta and Samuel Jackson, we're getting off topic. But the, the, these films look at uh, Kingdom of Heaven, Ridley Scott. Again, a fanboy of Ridley Scott. But that, the assembly cut, the roadshow version of that film is fascinating. I mean, he's on record. I, I don't want to go off, off the table here, but it's interesting to talk about is that that film has a depiction of Christianity and Muslims and how both of them at times in mo- moments of peace can declare war and vice versa. At the time when it came out in 2004, 2005, you know, it was, it's, a, it's a time of war and, the, you know, I, I, I got on terrorism. It's a difficult conversation to have still now. I mean, 16 years later, but Fox fucking took every single thing out of that film that would make that film matter disregard it to be a sword and sandals epic fox can never be treated in the same respect as as, as something like a major studio is now and thank fuck they don't exist i'm I, I, honestly they ruined this franchise they've multiple times and they've tried to ruin it i think anyone who, who looks at theatrical cut who who is a who want who's who is someone who wants to put alien three on and they've never seen it before and that's fine i have no issue with that that unfortunately for most people, that's the film they might see. But anyone who has a choice of watching those two entities, if anyone remotely says, like yourself, that, that, that the theatrical cut has any form of value in it, I find I find fascinating. Oh wow! And I will do a different <laughs> word there, but you're my friend. No, but then, but you have to understand that I have seen also. I have seen Alien Three before Assembly Cut was a thing. So that's that's also another wrinkle. So, so, you know, when, when I was getting acquainted with Alien 3, there was no such thing as Alien 3. And by the way, uh, as Alien 3 assembly cut, there, it was just this. And it was, you know, for, for a young impressionable mind like, like I was at the time, it worked. And, it, and as, a, as, as a cinematic experience, it, it works. I, I know that it's just fucked off a lot of people, but, you know, it, it's still, it, it, I don't know. It, it's just, it's, it's fun to watch regardless because there's, good stuff in in there whether you like it or not in both cuts because because this they're just good and that you know and, and, and although there's one thing about the assembly cut that i kind of i don't i don't want to say i'm iffy about but they i don't understand the i mean i understand where they where they change to how the xenomorph kind of comes about because in the theatrical cut, cut it comes out of a dog and then it then it comes out of a cow mm-hmm. yeah but um when it comes out of a dog, it actually makes sense in terms of a character development of the xenomorph, as in it takes features of what it what it grows in. Yeah, which we mentioned it, before, yeah. Yeah, because it's kind of very sort of dog-like. And all of a sudden it comes out of a cow and it's very small and it's very agile. So it's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, it, it, it kind of just doesn't make sense on this on, on this level. But I can I'm I, I'm super happy to disregard it because the assembly cut just makes a whole bunch of interesting decisions anyway. So it's it's worth watching anyway. Do you know? To speak, speaking of interesting decisions, right? There's, I'm going to bring up a thing here, and other people might disagree. I, I find that when when the Olive Branch was offered in 2003 to to David Fincher to to make this director's cut, I think in hindsight he made a very poor decision by declining it. Now I can understand as many of us can in, in this in this call, and as many other viewers we get here, any fans of this film. If you have a painful time in your life, you do not want to return to it. It's human nature. You don't want to go through the fire and get burnt again when you've moved on. I completely appreciate that. I think in his, his better decision would have been gone into this, edited the film and made the film as you wanted to, and let it be. Let it be buried and let it die. The problem the fact that he hasn't done that 
and let it evolve and evolve, this film will never be regarded as its own entity. It will always and unjustly con- and, and, and constantly, probably to the end of fucking time, it will have this debacle of, is this Fincher's, is this not? I mean, Fincher shot this footage. The, the, the production didn't like it. They reshot it constantly with him, with him behind his back. Who knows? And then um, they went back. Well, they, they re- I mean, they, they were still editing the fucking thing, and he was reshooting stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, so, I think they for the assembly cut, they brought brought in the cast for ADR. I'm not sure if they were reshooting stuff. Well, we'll also also give the blessing to the editor to redo it. So there's there's definitely a, a, a slither. There's a slither of of a connection and 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 understanding of it. But my problem is, is that if you don't, if you want to ch- close the chapter, finish the fucking book. I'm sorry. I, I, I find that if he, he's going to, if he, I know he's only ever spoke about it once and he was, when he was doing the publicity for the girl drank tattoo, they spoke oh. to the Guardian about it. Okay. To me, I'm sorry, but if you made that film, sorry to interrupt, I will be heard. I did, I no, did no, 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 that's good. It's just, don't move on from this point because this is, this is important. I won't do, no, I promise you I won't no. do. I'll be, I, but I think that if, if, if you, if you want to move, like I said, if you want to finish the book, I want to finish the chapter, finish the fucking book, see it out in its entirety. Yes, it was horrible. But unfortunately, that's part of your filmography now. Aliens 3 is there. If it's going to be there, why did you not go back to it and make it the baby you, you saw it to be? Again, you work with Fox after the fact, the distributed Fight Club. I, I mean, I find it, I, I believe they did Gone Girl as well in the UK, um, and which was the patterns with Sona. He has a working relationship. Yes, the people might not be in charge and the memories of the producers might not be there. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not particularly fond of the fact that he won't talk about this film. It's there. It's on his record. Talk about it or move on. And you so, haven't done it either. Well, he has moved on. He I, like it's sorry, not to, not to be like has, but I don't think internally he has. I mean, I, I don't know. The I don't think either. there's anything to base that statement on, to be fair. Oh, like, no, sure, course. maybe. I'm just, I'm just but, making an assessment. Like, he goes off. He's made movies that didn't affect his filmography on Letterboxd. I think it's his, like, least popular one. Like, no one... I don't think this is at all defined his career, so I don't really know why he would feel inspired unless he personally felt like, oh, like, I, this is an unfinished chapter for me. But I think from all judgment, he could go make Alien 3 again if he wanted. But it seems like he's very comfortable leaving it half-written on his shelf. I don't think this I, is a book he needs to finish. But he no, has no his properties. He has his works, you know. He has what well, he's Carson, interested in. No, knowing him as knowing him as a director and getting his personality there, don't you find that an oxymoron? Don't you find that's very interesting? How he would like that half cooked or half baked, knowing who he is. I mean, he, he's a director who wrote *Mank* with his what his father wrote it ten years ago. The studio refused to do it. Netflix says make a film, we'll give you a shit load of money. He goes back to the shelf. I don't think he's someone who. Who is who is okay with making half baked things? I think he's a director who will see something through. I mean, the first thing someone will bring up is, "Well, what about World War Z?" I think that, that that's something that that's that, that we, we we can dispose of anyway. Like the fucking I mean, there, 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 I mean, it's I think it's yeah. well. I'll, let me go first, Jacob. Yeah, no, no, go, go first. But then Nicolo had a take because um, I think he, he will was be. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, I think it's easy to look at David Fincher and like respect him as an artist, but also like he is still human. If you fuck him off enough, you're like, and he's so fucked off with it, like. I don't see, you know, I think it's very possible. He's just like, well, I don't care anymore, especially when there's so many hands where this franchise has moved on. Like, I don't know. I, it's kind of, it's, I mean, I don't know how like valuable it is. Cause like, I don't know, David, I don't know, David, I don't go get, you know, drinks with him. So I I don't know. Would you, would you agree with this assessment? Again, we're, we're all, we're all being hypothetical here, but that's that's what Jakob's starting with fire. So he's lit it. He's going to have to say through. That's what I'm here for. Like this is a discussion. Fire starter. Don't you think that the, the, the soul and the consciousness is cleansed because of the actual mediocrity that came after this 
if Alien Resurrection never never saw the light of day, and you can debate whether it should have done or not, with the absolute despicable Alien versus Predator things, uh, do you do you think that those films don't come about that he goes back, he, he does find this like, oh shit, my I my my film was the film that ended the Alien franchise because without oh, the Paul Thomas Anderson thing, I think there's I think there's a different there's a different feeling there. I think he would return to it, not because he's like sad he killed the franchise. I think he would want it to like clean his filmography and his soul. But I don't think he's going to be looking and be like, oh, I really hurt the Alien franchise. Yeah, no, I don't think. Yeah. Well, they fucked him off. I think he could yeah. return, he's returned the favor, hasn't he? <laughs> but no, I, I do think that if that was the last one, because I feel like that would be more defined and it would be put on his shoulders and that would define him more than it does today. So I do believe that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, the, the, all the Alien films is a really good documentary on either one of them. It goes on for like three hours. This one's very interesting what, what he talks about because I remember there's a, there's a story where he was on set with Sigourney Weaver and one of the producers came in that he wouldn't name. And you can, we, I think we can, you know, it, it might sound... Hill. Yeah, well, I wasn't <laughs> going to say the name, actually, but fair enough. <laughs> but I, I, we should talk about honest. him for a second, but I think that there was a comment where he said, I need to shoot this scene. And he said, they said, no. He's like, well, I, I, we need to shoot this scene. Like, you don't understand, like, we, we like need to shoot the scene that's in the screenplay. The director, I think the producer was like, we can't do it. Like we need to, it's, we're finished for the day. So he just took a camera, uh, whether a boom mic with a, with a sound uh, guy and just shot the scene. And I find that he made a statement a few years ago. He says the, 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 the epitome of filmmaking is, is trying to get a shot of a sunrise. Um, and you've only got, and the sunrise is going off in six minutes. And you've only got camera tip for three. And I think, if that doesn't epitomize the state, the state, and you know the standard of what Alien Three was about, I don't think anything else more does. I think it's a film trapped within the loins of wanting to be in its own entertainment, having drastically to follow up by tradition. And I like both. I, I like the the torment of either. Well, I like I like them two animals coming together and fighting, and I like the finished product. But I think I could easily accept someone would hate this. I easily could accept that. Um, so, not, like, even with that, though, it. information, like, that understanding, like, I don't know how you judge this as a David Fincher, like, in, in his filmography, going back to what Jakob said earlier about, like, oh, him making decisions, like, clearly this is not the feature he wants to make. Clearly he didn't get the control he wanted, like, even in the basic level of being able to make a film. Like, I, I think that looking at this and being like, oh, well, where's David Fincher's elements? Where's David Fincher? I think that's just, like, really doing an unjust to David Fincher which he's not struggling. So like, you know, I don't think he's, you know, going to be offended. Well, I have to too. mank it. I'm not but, too sure to be honest. Well, um, <laughs> different yeah, conversation but, for a different day there. Yeah, definitely. But, I, yeah. I, I, I that dig. I do apologize. But um, Nic- Nicolo, because you're just, you're, you're, you're just smiling in here. What do you think on, uh, about this sort of thing? I will say this, like we're talking about David Fincher. This reminds me of another David, David Lynch with Dune, who had pretty mm. much the same exact situation as David Fincher. <clears throat> First major studio film, um, they hired him, he shot what he was shooting, they didn't like what he was making, they started sabotaging the project, it became a gigantic mess, released to cinemas, and after that, the director disowned him, I think they even used the nickname Alan whatever, that's for the... Alan Smith, yeah. Yes, Alan Smith. But after that, same exact situation. He does not want to talk about Dune. That's that's a wound that never healed. And they made an extended cut that followed closer his original vision, but they didn't work on it as well. And as he's the same as Alien and, and Fincher, because it's it's just one project in a massive career, and it's not what they really wanted to make. Uh, they probably took it more for the money, for the acclaim, 
they thought it just didn't work. So why should they bother going back? Fincher had a wonderful career. He's famous for Fight Club, for Seven, for dark, gritty dramas. David Lynch ended up making Blue Velvet in Twin Peaks and just changed the face of TV and of surrealist modern cinema. So I, I fully respect them for honestly not going back and endorsing these visions of movies that they never really connected with while making them. They, they had their vision. They knew what they wanted to make, but they Nick. would stop dead in their tracks. Uh, I would what feel the you, same, probably. What, I would yeah, probably what, feel the same. What about you on a personal level, then? Because you, you are, at the moment, a very talented young director. <laughs> I mean, not at the yeah. moment. I think he's generally a talented young director. <laughs> yeah, but don't, don't let him... Don't feed Thanks. the ego. Don't feed the ego. Don't, don't feed, feed the it. ego. A like, director needs an ego. Like, he does this on his own time. Let's not get a fee here. And that's where yeah. Max Landis and Sam Levinson comments no, come no, in. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. You can't do yeah. this. Check no. them off. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, on a, on a personal level... Could you do that? Because I look at it from my way, and if I had, if I'd had the oh God, if I'd have been blessed to have the the, the skills as what David Fincher, because I think he's a very talented director. Uh, and he's, he's, I mean, I think. And Saturn, you see that in this film. Yeah, I th- yeah, I, I also do. I think the the Social Network, is, I think, is a genuinely a, a, a perfect film, a genuinely a perfect film. Um, but I, I find that maybe it's me as a personality trait. I would lay lay in bed one night in the summer, and this film would come into my head and think, "Fuck, God, I wish I could have had a different. I, I could have done that differently." And may, may, maybe that's that's particularly not correct for me to say that because I wasn't in his shoes. He's all quite clearly someone who's personalised to his cinema, and I fully fucking respect that. I really do. But I think that for me as a personality trait, I would I would be conflicted with that from the day I died. Um, Again, because I, I would, I would want to. If my entity, I would want to make it as I, w- I would have done. And if someone had given me the opportunity to, to pay me to go back and rectify what other people made my in my mistakes, I don't think I would have found it too easy to climb. But again, we don't know if he did. But I just wondered about you though, because if if you took a project like that, again, you're a fan I, of this project, so I said, maybe he is as well. I don't know. I honestly just I wouldn't go back to it if it happened. Mm-hmm. If it were a situation like this, because it means. It was a troubled production. Things just went to shit while filming it. So you're you're still not working with something that you actually wanted to make. And in my mm-hmm. super, super, super limited experience, I've had a, a, a short film that I made where I was like, well, that was kind of fucked up in the end. But instead of thinking of like, maybe I can reshoot it, maybe I can get the actor. I was just like, yeah, you know what? I, I messed up and I'm going to try and be better next time on the next project, the next project. And that's and that's what David Fincher did, absolutely. He made seven right after this, which is oh, mind-boggling when you think yes. about yeah, it. Yeah, he made it in 97, didn't I? Uh, 97, no, 95. 94, 94, 95, yeah. 95, what's the difference? So maybe just about the 99. Yeah, he didn't need yeah. to go back to Alien Free. They were like, yeah, you can do, find your visuals. Like, well, also you also do have was... limited time on this earth. I feel like Fincher is definitely someone who like has a lot of project in mind that he wants well, to get out I, and get on I the film. Think four dimensionally, takes a lot of like, time if you think them. four dimensionally, yeah. like Doc Brown and Back to the Future, they no, were making the, the assembly cut in two thousand, probably two and one. Right, this is when he was basically shooting Panic Room. Like he was, he was even if he wanted to, he he would have just just said, you know, I don't care too much, and I'm busy. I would have I would have edited Alien Three before Panic Room. No, so I know, but, Jack. Yeah. I'm curious. You're, do you think Mank is well directed? A little bit of a side tangent. Technically, but... yes. Okay. I think I think he's a fabulous. Yeah. He. I will say this with the camera. 
he he is a technician above all else. He's fascinating. Yep. But he's a director that struggles to impose his own aesthetic and impression on a screenplay. He yep. needs Sorkin behind him. And I, I think ultimately that film uh, then becomes his best film. He's a he's a magician, but I, I do think that, like Nicola said, this that there are some the strains of this. There is a foundation on where with with a director's filmographer, if you can get to the level of what Fincher has, this film will happen to you. I think it's just you know depending on the, the subject, you know, I think uh, who knew that uh, Lord and Miller after making Lego Movie, Twenty One Jump Street, Twenty One Jump Street would run into that problem with Lucasfilm. You think fucking hell, we got the, the jackpot. That never used to happen. We'll now get to it. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I think quite literally never made a bad film. I don't think anything yeah. he's ever made is like bad. But technical wise, I think when you look at some of his films, it just becomes with age. Like Panic Room for me, I find like the pans on the top. And, we're, you know, we're going from the top of the room. It's like, oh, okay. Very much like in its own world here. But I don't know. Um, I don't really think about it. He lucked out with Gone Girl. There's no way he would make it today. There's no way he could with our social like environment. Uh, oh, he'd, be, he'd be fucking crucified yeah yeah no he like lucked out like last year he couldn't make it he made it and yeah well, he, he he was lucky enough that you know like longer was written by a woman as well so you know true um, i mean uh, but that's going back to what we were talking about um yeah no but uh, if i may make a few points because before i forget um uh on the fincher business one minor point that leads to the major one, like I kind of think Nicolo mentioned the um sort of. I didn't uh, finish my original one. I'm gonna finish. Because uh, I, I don't know what the original point now was because I kind of just got frozen and I, I just. Oh got... no! I was I was I was gonna say I think I, I was gonna come to an end anyway. I was just gonna say that when a, when a director's filmographer and especially now, but I think throughout any filmography of a, of a notable director, an Alien Three will happen to you regardless. I think. Maybe as an audience or as a spectator, we don't find out the ins and outs of the true um, culprits and how, how deep those those wounds really go. But um, mm-hmm. on, on 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 the often or not level, especially now, when this happens, everybody knows about it. You know, we found out with, with uh, Gareth Edwards, we, and I'm not just to bring the Star Wars up, but with, you know, Zack Snyder stuff. We, you know, you, you find out multiple issues that came out on set. Because of uh, monstrous producers and the studios, like you find them almost you find out almost live as it happens. Yeah, yeah, you do, and I think I think for, for Fincher to happen this in, in the nineties without social media, and for this to be his first film, as much at the time I can imagine it being probably the single worst experience of it, of, it, of his working life, working at Skywalker Ranch. I mean, his, his name's in the, the Return of the Jedi credits for you know doing the sound mixing on those films. You know, to to, to understand the technical portion of, of cinema. For then, um, you know, a, a probably disgraced movie mogul to turn up and say, "Let's make it like this." He must be thinking, "Excuse me, I, I've dedicated my, my my adolescent life into technical uh, technicality of cinema. Don't tell me how to make a film." So when someone's questioning you like that and on your first film, I think that's more to his, the power to his character, putting that beside him, and and maybe not to contradict myself here, but m- maybe that is more power to him. Like, well, you know what, you fuck me. And I don't want to go back there again. And I'm not going to go there for, for the, bag, the bag. I'm not interested. I'll make my new thing on Netflix for paying me $280 million to make a passion project. I mean, you know, you'll get burnt twice. Do you? It'd be stupid to do it. So fair enough to him. But I do think that it's always going to be that film where it's going to be on his tombstone, isn't it? I do. I, and I'm, yes, he's made incredible amounts of money and he's made incredible films, but it will always be that film where there'll be a question mark over it. And that, as much as that's disappointing to know, He's probably got the single-handedly the, the worst first job story in cinema 
that's ultimately defined his career for the better. And I can't name many more directors who that's had to, aside from, ironically enough, James Curran getting fired off Piranha 2. Fair enough. I mean, I'm, okay, M. Night Shyamalan yeah. literally had a breakdown on set because the producers were so mean to him trying to make well, Wide yeah, Awake. Let's, but fair let's, enough, let's, fair I enough. Think let's, no, 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 let's no, be honest. Not, the producer also think level, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, anyway, on, on, on that point that you just said, Jacques, this was his first film. And then there's one, okay, well, one, one thing I kind of wanted to kind of just quickly put to bed. Because um, like Nicola, you mentioned that, that so David Lynch Dune is a good comparison. I'm not exactly sure it is because for David Lynch, this was his third proper feature because he did Elephant Man before before that, and that was a studio picture. And he did oh, no, no, Head. No. Ways Muller production. Though. Yes, but it was a studio Elephant picture Man. that he was hired to do. Yeah, but yeah. look at the uh, source material. Like I don't, no, I, I don't I think know, that's no, no, very no, fair. This, no, no, this is not a straw man. You don't have to, you don't have to poke it with a stick. Uh, <laughs> I am no what I'm trying to say is th- we're, what we're I think what we're trying to see here is um, in which may may be a mistake is seeing Fincher through the lens of who he is now he has not always been the auteur that he is now he grew to become one so Carson you mentioned this and I think this is a spot-on um, observation as in he, this was his first job he this was I don't think he treated this as a as a project that he say I don't know. Seven, he would he would see the same way as Seven or Zodiac. This is not his. This is a job that he was hired to do, and it was his foot in the door to actually become a Hollywood entity. Because before that, he was you know he was a music video director. He didn't have anything else on his resume, um, and this, that was his doorway to feature filmmaking. And then he he decided, okay, well, I'm going to make make this happen. So I don't I don't I, I don't necessarily agree that he would that he would I don't know just oh this is a mistake that he would didn't want to come back and redo it. This he doesn't see it as his baby. So and and no, and that's I that. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm you, if you don't care about a project and you're just in it for the money, you don't grab a camera and no, then no, film the whenever. Like, was yeah. in, this was a <laughs> no. He clearly has a vision. He clearly cared. He, he clearly also, made an effort. He did have a vision. He did care, but I don't. I don't think he he cared enough to say I'm gonna go and come back and fix it because he also, was busy he doing to... other things that he had absolute complete control over from start to finish anyway. Sure, I don't. I I think it's a fallacy that it was a good for hire here as well. Like I said before, well, he was. I mean, I don't think he was. I think he was touted for a long time for making a project. I think he, he, he was known very well within the Fox family because of his work on the technical side of Return of the Jedi, which is 83. It's not so far from this anyway. It's 10 years. There would have been, what, 22, maybe 18 during that film anyway. He was a technical yeah. boy who could make a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, yes. you know, so technical he, decisions. He was so you're, you're just making a point for me. Because then he's a he's a guy who knows how films are made because he's worked on them. So he's and he knows how to make things happen. And he will and then Fox probably thought he would follow orders because that, he that, want he that, wants that, the job anyway. That, that Fox boardroom, aside from the slight sexual harassment that goes around there with Rupert Murdoch, but you can imagine that Jesus. that would have been well that would have been well it would well I mean it's fact it's on record. I mean what they're gonna do fucking sumer. Um but they'll probably get rid of me like please this, don't, just, please don't know, sue us nails. to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a drink. Um, but you I know, to the bingo in that boardroom in 1991, they must have thought, you know what? Why are we spending $7 million on getting this fucking thing to work with David Sewer, who we will talk about very, very shortly? But you're making these diaries. We're trying to get Ridley Scott back. He wants millions. Why, why are we going to like plunging so much money in here? Why don't we bring one of the one of the uh, one of our boys out, one, one of our family members, which was was Fincher? Is we're gonna make a film anyway? Why don't we pay him on the cheap? 
He can ride this one out. I bet they were laughing all the way to the bank, thinking we've got a fucking stalwart here. But Fincher wasn't wasn't the you know the, the horse to count count your ticket on. I don't think they would have expected him to be so. Um, I don't want to be strong headed, but passionate Contro- about contro- uh, contro- confrontational. I think he was. Yeah, yeah, but but also but I think that, that he has an ego. But that often he gets he inflated wanted. with passion. You know yourself. Yeah, often gets inflated with passion when someone's controlling. If you want to see it start to finish. Unfortunately, have to see it through. No, but I, I I do understand this, but I will I will say that you know he he when he got hired to do this job, he was probably thinking, this is it. This is my this is my moment. I need to make this work. I need to make them see me for the talent that I am because he knew exactly who he he knew he 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 was a talent that he was. I'm not sure he knew that he was um, that kind of a um, sort of perfectionist at at the time. I think he developed this and this sort of discipline over time as he was making seven and five club and whatever. But I think he he knew exactly that he wanted to make a stamp. And then this may have been also part of this, this his decision to actually make a stamp on the franchise, make a stamp on the film. This film is visually very distinctive from the other films as well. When you think about like, oh, you could say it has a music video aesthetic and then they kind of look like they're in like, I don't know, like especially the ending where all these people in goggles, they kind of look like they're in a Madonna video. It kind of works anyway, but visually the film is distinctive thanks to his vision but i wouldn't actually go out and say that he i mean i, I would agree with him in saying uh, in saying that he doesn't care because this is not his baby he was his babies are other things he's never made a film like alien through after that he was in, interested in other things like if yeah, you think no, about I, like he, he's never made made a comeback to science fiction like this is not his scene but that you you know for a fact that's an unwritten rule in cinema very rare director will go back to sci-fi purely James because Cameron. of how fucking yeah well I mean yeah you, you can name three I think you can name Ridley Scott James Cameron but more often than not on, on a hand, well, well I mean that, I mean Steven needs to retire a long time ago no, no, right? but I'm giving you examples of people who go, come back to the same genre yeah but yeah but it's very it's very rare I we mean Danny record that like he made, he made Sunshine he would never go back because it's just too much work to handle these directors you you, 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 keep, you keep pulling off uh, directors who Alex have been Garland. This, well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider Alex Garland. Uh, well, fair enough, he's, he's, he's too early in the game, anyway. Yeah, but and also as well, we're not talking about something that's exactly dense, like something like Sunshine is. Like Ready Player One, there's sci-fi, but there's nothing like space we're talking about here. I'm talking about, I'm talking about like genuine like space stuff. Like if you want to do a fucking previs of King Kong in New York with a fucking DeLorean going through, be my guest. To me, that I, I love that film. But that that that's when fin- that's when Spielberg for me that's all sort of you know like I, I don't, don't give wanna, you, I don't I'm not giving you Strowman to pick on like I'm just giving an example no like, I'm, you well, can I'm gonna, stay, I'm gonna, stay I'm on point no, I, don't, I just think that I, I find that slightly vain and just I don't know if, if that that's what you want to do as as a filmmaker um, I mean you know be my guest but I find that like remind least, Spielberg did BFG also which is like yeah clearly sci-fi. Yeah, I mean yep. AI, ET, closing. <laughs> okay, AI sucks though. No, no, but yeah, no, AI is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> report. AI is pretty fucking Yeah, minority cool. report, uh, War of the Worlds. Like he's mostly done sci-fi if you look at it. Yeah, I, I know, but, but Always I mean, is sci-fi. He's, he's, he's like he's commercially bankrupt as a director. I'm sorry. Anything that Spielberg brings out, but this is like that for me. I'm like, I know what I'm gonna get, I'm gonna like it, but it's just bankrupt. Like, and there's nothing I care about. The last the, the last good film he made was Bridge of Spies. No, but but you have the to understand that like, okay. like, no one. No, and the poster. Oh, people God. who make great film in their seventies. 
You know it is. You're being a contrary now, Carson. We got no, on really? so much. Okay. Stop. Jacob, I, I, Bridget I, Spice I'm... is good. End of discussion. What is good? <laughs> I... Yeah, Bridget Spice is great. No one's arguing. Yeah, Bridget Spice is really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, my stomach, Jacob, that. I'm yeah. sorry. I feel like sorry to be blunt, but like just He's type back in. What's again. your no? But like, <laughs> I'm not going to cuss you out today. Hopefully, um, the question like. What is your purpose of saying that? Is what I'm asking. What, I guess uh, saying what exactly? Like, what's the point of like saying that Fincher was like not an artist <laughs> during this or whatever? No, no, not an artist. Like, I, I, I might, I might have missed a... it, but like, what's the point of saying that? Um, to refute some of your points that you're just saying, trying to uh, uh, trying to argue why he would come back and then uh, trying to understand why what the reason was that he didn't because I, he was not an actor at the time he grew to become become one he was he was a young hotshot who wanted to make an impression it was a job for him that's what i'm but trying if it's to say undeniable he cared i don't think you're arguing he cared he about cared this film he had a passion for this that, that's why he was inspired but... when he made it i don't get the point of that i don't then. think i mean yeah but he was inspired if anything, to do a job this he was hired his... to do yes but he wasn't his he wasn't okay there's a difference between being inspired to work for an employer and being inspired to run your own well, he's business. always working for a fucking employer i just don't i think like you're yeah. painting a narrative here that's like far from reality no like it's it's i think it's pretty uh, okay well he works with he doesn't write his films right so that's so that's one thing but yeah in in te- in in terms of visual control and control over the project he has a, he has a definite style that you can you can call authorial that's yep. that's what it is so this style hasn't didn't develop didn't uh, well he wasn't there in fully fleshed form in 1991 when he was making it so if anything wouldn't you say though once he found his style he found his filmmaking you know grasp he understands uh, filmmaking on a deeper level he would be more inspired considering he was inspired and clearly had a point and had a passion for this wouldn't you say be more inspired to go back and fix the wrongs of his youth why would you like he, he, when, when there's so many others you care opera- and you fail no but why would you why would you what if you can why would you if you can start working on zodiac instead well, sure, but that has nothing to do with him not having a style here. You could just say that about anyone, any artur, any artist, anyone, you know, why look back? I think that's a very um, personal well, philosophy it, one well, could it hold. Is, it, is a, it is a good a good philosophy as well. It's like, yeah, that's okay. Oh, well, sometimes. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a failure. Yeah, you you fail, you, you dust yourself off, you pick yourself pick yourself up and you move forward. You don't look back. So, you know, and, and then if you look at his personal development, it's clearly there because if you can actually, he has this sort of like an angry sort of period. You could, you could see that like Seven and Fight Club and Panic Room and um, The Game, they're kind of similar stylistically. And then there's Zodiac and, there, and, he, and he makes films that look completely different because he, he just matured in a, in, in a way. So you could see that he has changed over time. So, I don't think evolution is yeah. due to maturity always, to be fair. but No, ma- maturity as in, you know, because well, it changes over time, as in he gets older, like that's just a fact of life. Yeah, but I don't think him getting older means like that's why he's changing his style. Well, like Mank, yeah, is unlike anything um, he's, you no, know, really okay, created well, before, but older, I don't think that's because he's... Experienced, let's just say experienced. I and think then, that's a reduction then, of the human soul and like why we uh, evolve, but you no, know. No, no, enough. but then tackling a project like Zodiac, which was a completely different story. It wasn't a fictitious or situation or adap- adaptation of a of, of a fictional book by fucking Jack Palin or something like that. Um, sure. It, it was it was something that was rooted in reality. Rooted in reality, the characters were real people that he had to kind of just find a way to portray on sc- on screen in a respectful way. It it was a whole different beast, and and the material was vast and and expansive as well. So it's yeah. So it, but then he immediately went Zodiac to changed him to in a way that he was kind of just he would say I don't want to, I'm not 
I'm a different David Fincher now. I don't care. Well, about and then he went and did Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Then he went back to real life with Social Network. Then went to the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's not like it's been a consistent like no, change. No, no, but then, no, no. It wasn't a consistent thing. But the the way he tackles things, like the perfectionism, kind of just grew in in it, o- over time. And I think now he's in a completely different room. I don't think that's a sure. thing that grows. I think that's that's a thing yeah. you're born with. No, no you're, well, you're it does bo- grow. I think look at West. Like you, th- there's discipline, perse- discipline, perseverance, experience, and and there's talent as well. But talent gives gives you a foot in the door. The rest is just your hard work. That's just a fact. I don't, I don't well, there's conf- there's that. confidence that grows, but also I think like your mind opens. Look at Wes Anderson. There's a very clear line before Fantastic Mr. Fox and after, as far as yep. what he thought could visually be represented on screen, as far as aesthetic mm-hmm. and, and d- style. Downhill, and that's, downhill. That's the artist's no, journey, like, just finding your own okay, style. Jack. Okay. <laughs> no, no, but whether it's downhill, it or not, it's, it's irrelevant. It, it, it's irrelevant to the conversation, but it, it, it is. As in, uh, you can see that there's there's Wes Anderson who made Bottle Rocket. There's Wes Anderson who made Life Aquatic, uh, and there's Wes so Anderson good. who made yeah, uh, Grand, Buddha, Bottle, so, Grand, Bad, Grand Budapest. Stylistically, and visually, they're That's different. Oh, it's easily the best one. Me and Paul were talking that about might be, that. That yesterday. might be the best. That might be the best. Wait, which American family in in, in the modern Bottle Rocket or Royal Tenenbaums? Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably yeah, the mean, best depiction of American Family, or just that film. So, like family. that's that's his only A plus five out of five masterpiece. I think <laughs> so good. Well, I like I like I like. Uh, well, Steve I'm more strict. Too. I'm more strict with five out of five than you are. Yeah, I'll just throw them out, me. Yeah, I just. I just. But you like Steve's as though. You like the like Life Aquatic. That? Yeah. I love that film. I mean, oh. I mean, there's I don't know. There's, <laughs> Okay. Okay. It's another discussion for another day. We still have a whole other film to get to today, so I guess we yeah, won't yeah. get I mean, into it. I don't think there's a single Wes Anderson up, film I dislike. I'll put it this way. Wait, what did you say, Akam? I wouldn't say there's a single Wes Anderson film I dislike. I'll put it that oh, way. I mean, yeah, I agree with Similar to Fincher, I don't think there's a single one I like actively don't like. Yeah, I actively will go out of my way not to watch Benjamin Button. Read my piece then. I film so boring. I mean, I just, I just find like. That's if, it, if you ego. think the film's boring, read well, the book. Well, Fincher's, yeah, fi- again, it comes down to screenplay. Fincher, not to say Fincher doesn't make some boring films, like Mank is boring as fuck, but like, the he, yeah. He, he turned I, I an just, unreadable, I, unreadable short story that you can finish on the toilet in one seat, in one sitting, uh, in, which is re- literally unreadable into something that yeah, actually piles, works and has a story. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. You, you you stay away from Benjamin Button, okay? All I'll say is this: <laughs> I can imagine the boardroom at Netflix going like, oh, "David Fincher comes in, like, look, I want to make you a film. I'm oh, good. We'll give you two hundred eighty million dollars. Right, I'll I'll get you it back." And then they're watching, going like that, and just looking at each other. Going, I don't think yeah, they but were, I don't think I, David Fincher cares. That was his expression with his father. Like, who gives a fuck who likes that's, that? that like, I don't. I don't think well, anyone in Netflix was counting on yeah. on him and giving him money back. I think they're, oh, they're, yeah. they know what they're dealing with well, when they're giving him money and they're giving him full control. Isn't it? It's a yeah, wonderful Netflix. business model. That's fucking that that that. I just if that's your if that's the excuse to Netflix. No, but that's no, Amazon spending what four hundred thirty-five million dollars for Lord of the Rings TV series. Like, no one cares about making money back. That's not their. What was it? Five hundred million dollars for like two Knives Out sequels. The yeah. first one was mediocre. But, but they don't think the I'm way sorry, the way so the studios think these doing? days. No arguments. <laughs> no, I'll but then Netflix fine. does not think the way say Fox or Disney does because they have all they care about is I mean, sustaining. Disney doesn't care. Sustaining Apple doesn't care. Bears. 
look oh, at their well, purchases. Well, they don't well, care. Well, 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 well. <laughs> they have uh, they have disposable the income that they know how to burn, and because they have a subscriber base. Okay, but no one. Okay, they, Jack. They, they I don't think different. Things. Not to talk about the quality of Apple phones, but I don't think you can look at the purchase of Greyhound forever much it was and say that was hey, a you great decision. Let's move I on. Will... Let's move on. Sucks. A horrible phone. <laughs> no, I will. I will say this. I'll say this. A month before Mank came out, if you said a David Fincher film's coming out, I'd have been like, oh, wow. A month after Fincher with Mank, I'll second guess that fucking hell. And I've never done that with that, that director. I've always been constantly and consistently interested in what that filmmaker does. And with, with, with the result of Mank, I have zero passion to look forward to anything he makes in the future. I'll like, if it turns up, it turns up. It doesn't bother me at all now. And I, I can understand, that, like, it's quite ironic that his last film and his first film probably have the same sentiments towards a larger body of audience. But, I mean, if you, if you go out and you make certain films like he does and you push the envelope socially, uh, well, social commentary on quite a, a multiple uh, things. And again, he's a director far ahead of his time. And he made Fight Club as a, as a, you know, satirist film. And, you know, the, I think he was, like, the only person on the premiere who got it was Helena Bonham Carter's mom, which I find was quite funny. He's a director ahead of his time. Alien 3 was just ahead of its time. It was too dark. It had no hope. But I mean, I think the, the, the diehard fans out there like myself who, who appreciate the assembly cut for what it is, I think it has a really wonderful home now. Um, and, and it's the closest thing we'll ever get to having David Finch's name on it. And it's quite clear he's never going to go back. So it, it ultimately becomes redundant having a conversation about it. <laughs> but I do hope that one day he can just reconcile with it and... and I think we'd all argue now that that that, that franchise could really do with a, someone like David Fincher behind it. I don't really want to see a Neil Blomkamp Alien Five, oh, and I don't think away. anybody no, else no one does. Wants that. I mean, I would love I would love for Ridley Scott to to be given money to to finish Alien Covenant. I think we'll I think we'll see yes. that before long as well. We will see that. Um, but now that we're on this point, so that we can kind of just because we've drifted drifted away from the Alien film anyway. You did. Well, but well, we kind of just drifted into in, into a whole different sort of tangents. Now, <laughs> before we move on to the other film, how about we all go around the table before sort of the sort of closing thoughts on the Alien Three, or maybe in lieu of these thoughts, um, can we all kind of go and rank all the sort of like what do you guys think? And in, in, like, if, if you had to rank all the Alien films, disregarding Alien versus Predators, because I don't I don't think they're Thanks kind of part of the series. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one, Nick. Yeah, uh, done. No, number one. No, no. So if so, if you okay, Nicola, if you had to rank all these all, all this all, all the alien films, how do how do they shape up? Let's go around the table and just and then move on to Pitch Black after that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll well, be really it... quick here. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll, go yeah, I'm going to be really quick here. I'm not going to interrupt. I'm <laughs> I see gonna... Nicola, and he's like, I'm going to go quick. <laughs> just like, yeah. I don't. I don't think you can do one, two, three, and four and five with them. I think you have to do a good pot and a bad pot, and the good pot. Is far outweighs a bad pot. The bad pot, you've got Alien Resurrection, and you, for me, that's probably it. Okay. But I don't, I don't dislike. Okay, that so film. in the good I, pot, how would you rank the ones <laughs> down the good pot? For, for me, on a personal level, right? What for that's, personal level, yes. it, goes, it goes Alien Resurrection, Aliens. Okay. This guess, I mean, yes, from the, no, it's going on, there. from the from, from the bottom, bottom to top. Yeah, we're we'll talking number five. Because I was yeah. like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go top from bottom, man. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to have some suspense here. Come on, drama. Number five, Alien Resurrection. No, it's six. I think I don't fuck knows how many. There's like seven of them, right? No, there's, the, yeah, last, there's... the last one is Alien Resurrection, right? The one after <laughs> that is Aliens. 
Okay. There's six. Okay, I've got a left six, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, right. <laughs> Aliens after that. Then I'm going to go Prometheus. Then I'm going to go Alien Covenant. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm going to go Alien 3, and then I'm going to go Alien. Okay, Niccolo. <laughs> did I name them all? I didn't know. Hmm? I think you did. Yeah, that's yeah, them, that's what... them. To go from bottom to top. Go from top to bottom, because it's confusing. From top to bottom. <laughs> yes. Um, Why would you go top to bottom? That's so, like, that's so ass over fair. It's easier to imagine. It's the pyramid yeah, going it's easier, from the it's top to the bottom. It's easier to visualize. Like, it's not like a, you visualize, know, like, yes. Yeah. Uh, but the no, pyramid, it's it just... Goes... It's not a pyramid. Top to bottom. The pyramid does go from bottom to top. It's a ladder. Yeah, I thought so. You can go up the ladder or down the ladder. It's fine. But to go uh, to get to the top of the ladder, you have to start at the bottom of the ladder. Depends where you are. Just sliding down. Um, No, it's easy. Like alien. uh, I'll probably actually alien and then alien covenant for me. Yeah. Then Prometheus, then alien free. Uh, and then the Batman versus Alien short film. That's me. Oh, oh. Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Re- oh, I know, oh you, have, you have not seen Resurrection, right? Is that correct? I've not. I've not. Okay. Carson, where do you stand? Oh, I'm even less qualified to do this. I haven't seen anything past the main three other than Batman uh, versus Alien. So, what? <laughs> I haven't seen them. I didn't watch Prometheus or Alien Covenant. Sorry. Oh, Jesus. Um, I have better things to do with my life, like watch Doolittle and Cats five times in a year. Um, <laughs> Oh my god! Bottom. <laughs> well, it's it's good. I'll can I, can we'll, do it, we'll do it one day. I, I, from what we've spoken about and knowing your character, I think you would really enjoy Alien Covenant for what it. I'm does. sure I would. I have no. I'm going to watch it probably this week. Oh, I just okay, haven't got no, around to, want to watch no, Prometheus. Oh no, first. I just haven't oh, got okay. around to it. You probably want to watch Prometheus first. Just going to say that. It's, Jack, you know. I watched so much bullshit. Why would I? am not going to oh, stop Alien on, I know, Covenant. I know the game. See, I know the see, game. No, no, but see this. You could say you watch so much bullshit and you have not seen Alien Covenant. Yeah, because again, I have better things to do with my life, like watch Doolittle and watch Cats five times in a year. Um, okay. Anyway, so bottom, yeah. bottom, I think has to be Alien Three. But like, God, this conversation is making me like it more. But I think the viewing experience is not like as good as I like this film on paper. Number mm-hmm. two, Alien. Number one, Aliens. Easy. Oh, okay. Okay, so I'm going to be a bit more controversial in here. To me, uh, I'm going to go top to bottom. It's easier for me to visualize. Absolute top. One of my absolute favorites all time anyway, Alien. Oh, God, I thought we were going to go Alien Resurrection. Sorry. No, Alien. (laughs) Sorry, my bad, my bad. Then, controversial, Prometheus. Balls, I like it. Um, I love Prometheus. um, And I grew to love it. Uh, But anyway, so Alien, Prometheus. Then... um, I, then it used to be Aliens, but now it's Alien 3. Now it's, I want to say, almost now it's a tie between Aliens and Alien Covenant. But I have a thing if I rewatch Alien Covenant, it will actually come out on top. So I'm going to preemptively say Alien Covenant, Aliens, and then nothing, 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 rock bottom Alien Resurrection. I'd love to see it. So much love for I mean, I'm, I'm, all, I'm, almost, I'm almost kind of just sad because I haven't seen this in such a long time because I always just run out of steam when I'm rewatching any films. I'm like, I, I don't have this time. You, watch this you've just before. reminded me. Why does Next year we're doing this for Alien Day in here. Yeah, why, why does anyone watch those those films back to back? They're way too excessively long. Once you get to Aliens, you become so bored. I, I used to. Now I don't. I just... Um, but uh, this is one, one interesting observation I kind of wanted to make, but we didn't because we drifted away. 
Alien is one of the series, one of the sort of franchises, few franchises that I can pick up any film out of. I could, I could just pick up, say, Aliens and just watch this and no, put it away. Don't it's one of those films that I don't, I, don't, I don't feel the need to start at the first one and go forward. I can just pick up each, each one individually and just have a great time. They just stand yes. alone. During viewing this, the, during this viewing last night, I watched Aliens and Alien Three back to back, and I was gonna say when you were talking about the pacing of the films and the run run times, I think that's the worst thing you can do to Alien Three. Not just yes. is it unsatisfying, but a lot of the plot feels very similar in some ways to Aliens. She's stuck with this crew; they have to figure like it feels genuinely quite similar, not necessarily in tone, but in some of the situations. I think that hurts the runtime of Alien Three and makes it feel longer than it actually is. Don't watch these back to back. I think yeah. that's the worst way you could do it. Actually, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's 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 spot on. I actually I, pr- I I have so much better time when I'm watching them sort of separately. If I just pick yeah. out Alien off the shelf and have a massively great time, and it's just such a great time. But anyway, so yeah. Can I add th- one yeah. thing before we move on. Just one little yeah, small sure. thing. Sorry. Um, we just spoke about uh, you know, these recent films. Who's aside from you, Jakub? Because you're forty-three. Who's actually seen Fuck these off, I'm films? I'm thirty-seven. Who's sorry? Who's who? Who's thirty-six though? Yeah, well, I mean, you can't be trusted then, can you? Who actually has seen these films in a cinema then? Because I've seen two. I've seen Prometheus. No, that's not true. I saw Alien, but it was a student night um, in, in like a, a small cinema, but I suppose we can count it. I saw Covenant the first day it opened in, when I was at university. Fucking loved it. I saw Prometheus, which I think is probably one of the aesthetically most pleasing films to ever watch on a big screen. And I fucking love to have seen Alien 3 on a big screen. I know that it's a, it's like it's not a palette that I know you don't like Jakub because it's very brown and it's very muddled. It's 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 a very grim and very dirty looking film. But I've always I wanted like, to I see like, it on a big I like screen. The palette. It's just it's it, brown and Godzilla is not interesting. We're strawmanning Jakub now, just like we do with the score for Unbreakable. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> get that. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I know. I'm not gonna pick on another one of those. I'm not gonna bite. Sorry. Yeah. Please bite. don't. I've only seen Alien Covenant on the big screen. They were doing like a, a, one after the other, Prometheus Covenant and then Alien, but they couldn't attend it, unfortunately. That would have been dope. Yeah. Carson, did you see any I haven't of them? Seen any, no. Oh, because I haven't seen I haven't seen the new ones. And then, I mean, obviously we, the other ones were out. So weirdly enough, I would have been old enough to see Alien Resurrection in the cinemas, but I didn't. Oh, I thought you were going to say the first one then. That'd be so no, funny. No, I mean, I did see <laughs> the, I did see the first one in cinemas when before Alien Covenant was res- uh, was, mm. was released. Want a double feature? Yeah. So I saw Alien, I saw Prometheus. Oh. I mean, Prometheus I saw originally, and then I rewatched it in cinemas when it was released before. To be fair, the, f- the first film, it's like, what, an hour and 58? It's not very long. It's, it's not a painful it's, film to watch. But it's it's a great film in cinema. Yeah, It's great. Yeah, it's, well, it's also tension. incredibly, oh, oh. like, simple. I think that's one thing, like, it's kind of one of those films where, like, I think it's hurt if you're a new viewer trying to watch it because so this genre has evolved so much that it seems rather basic. Not that that's a bad thing. It's the same thing I would say about Jaws, to be fair. Like, well, that, I think that, that's why it works so beautifully because it's symbolized and I love it for that. But I think for newer viewers and younger audiences, especially, I can see them being bored and not finding that enjoyment in it because it's just so basic compared to so much of the genre. Um, well, I, mean, I think it's, it's, it's equally, I think I'd a... say it's basic, but at, at the same time, if, if you challenged me, I could stage a, po- a minute by minute podcast about Alien. I would have shit to talk about. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, Carson, your description of, 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 of uh, Alien is literally what I'm going to talk about next, to be honest. Like I feel like Pitch Black is literally what you've just described there. Yeah. For me. So any so with that in mind, so I think we <laughs> we all we all agree that Smooth. Alien Three is a is a misunderstood 
quote-unquote flawed masterpiece that has been somehow partially rectified uh, after the assembly cut was made. And it's well nod, Carson. Your... Just nod. Yeah, it's um, it's well <laughs> worth your time, and it's a very, a very interesting experience. And it's even the, with the theatrical cut thrown into the mix, it's a very interesting piece no, of stop. cinema history. No, I'm not going to stop. No. It's a very no, interesting. Let's cut piece the theatrical of part history. of this, but then like the the whatever version, the whatever. No. It's the only it's, one I've seen. It's pretty good. It's, Watch that one. It's, it's, yeah. it's, no, no, but the theatrical cut is part of this. Without the theatrical cut, this assembly cut also would be a different, different story. It would be a different entity. You have to kind of just fall on your knees to kind of pick yourself up. I, no, but I can say fuck that film because it, it ruined Ripley's story that was set up a three film arc that is powerful well, and important and a good look at PTSD and grief, which is important to, and it screwed it over. Well, no, no I don't have to be, I don't have to be, I don't have to be nice to you're the one who decided to stand up for the shitty cut so you know no, I'm make, your, stand- make yeah, your bed I and lay it I like both of them I'll choose which version is the correct one and the assembly cut no, one is the correct the, one I don't know there's facts and opinions and you're kind of conflating the two but hey well, <laughs> well I don't value your opinion world. if you don't think it is so <laughs> my world's a fact <laughs> no um, and, they, and they don't they don't change replay all that much it's nuance that they introduce which is very interesting but they they, they they change very little there's wrinkles they add and they change quite a lot in in doing so but in terms of facts they don't add too much anyway alien 3 well worth your time pick it up now pitch black let's let's transition into that the wind's telling me to go for this sweet spot just to the left of the spine Fourth lumbar down, the abdominal aorta. It's a metallic taste, human blood. Copperish. If you cut it with peppermint snaps, that goes away. Of course. Do I shock me with the truth now? All you people are so scared of me. Most days I take that as a compliment. But it ain't me you gotta worry about now. Show me your eyes, Riddick. You'd have to come a lot closer for that. When a spaceship traversing the fast expanses of the galaxy is hit by comet debris, it must make an emergency landing on a strange planet orbiting three suns. Among the diverse crew of survivors is also a dangerous pl- prisoner, Riddick, played by Vin Diesel, who manages to escape. However, he isn't the biggest threat on this planet, and as the survivors quickly find out, they are not alone there. This world is populated by monstrous and dangerous creatures who dwell underground and cannot survive in sunlight. However, when a rare eclipse shrouds the planet in darkness, the group must fight for survival and devise a way to leave the forsaken world in one piece. Now, although it isn't necessarily stated explicitly anywhere, it is hard not to see Pitch Black as a sort of distant second cousin to the Alien series. In fact, it might as well be set in the sort of same universe. Therefore, it, it is likely that David too, he reused some of his old ideas he brought to the table when he was working on Alien 3, one you, you, you might never know. Together with the Wheat Brothers, they devised um, a story that's kind of, um, hold on, um, uh, it's like a standalone survival thriller and then the le- later blossomed into its own franchise because Vin Diesel's character was kind of intriguing enough to these people to shoulder it. So um, it, it's an, it, I don't know, it's an interesting beast in its own right to talk about. So what do you think about Pitch Black? Nicolo, you go first. Yay. Um, this was my first time ever watching a Riddick film, even though I played both of the video games in the past. Um, and I'll go straight to the point. 
alien free had themes it had characters but pitch black was just so much fun um i just enjoyed this from not from beginning to end but like almost halfway through like the last hour was a blast uh, everything beforehand a bit of a slog uh, <laughs> but when the action starts when it gets pitch black i was like yeah it's, it's a fun fun film fun film supremely predictable um, some horrendously dated CGI, but other than that, it's it's a good time. Carson, yeah, no, this so, is... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm no, no, Carson goes next. Go on, Carson, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, this movie sucks. Sorry, this movie is fucking atrocious. No, I mean, there's there's a little bit, I like, number one, I'll just say, like, very subjectively, pers- like, from a personal standpoint, I have a big thing with certain aesthetics, and if an aesthetic doesn't work for me, it really hurts me. I see this a bunch in animation in this film, and it's lighting and color correction made this nearly unwatchable for me, genuinely. Um, but no, this story is boring. I really did not like this movie the one thing i appreciate i mentioned how alien 3 pushes like the psychology of ripley and pushes her mental same per- pushes how she views the world i think this movie does an actual really decent job pushing riddick's philosophies but ultimately i just don't find that character that interesting um so it's just one where it's like it's not completely empty there is something here but just the execution completely sabotaged it for me now I've I've sat here right, and I've I've listened to some absolute bullshit takes in my in these past podcasts, especially on some on some on topics about glass and and Emma Shaman Unbreakable. But I'm so I swear to God, comparing Alien Three to having DNA heard my to this yet. No, I'm I'm saying comparing this to having DNA to Alien Three is the biggest reach since Halo. That's one of the most atrocious takes ever. Like we we, we it's like chalk and cheese, them and honestly, that's ridiculous. I think I, David Tui is on record for saying that, that some of his ideas he actually took took home after he was fired. No, David Tui is on record for like, and this is this is the type of director we're talking about here. He he has three screenplays locked in briefcases at Universal H- H- HQ, and he's just waiting for Universal to one day open up the next one. I'm sorry, this this is like a bona fide like ex- like just a this is a B mover. Like, I'm sorry, it is. It's just so, like yeah, it's so coming boom. back to your take, so. You don't like it? No, I don't mind it. When I was thirteen, I loved it. I don't like it now. I think it's, I think it's slightly redundant. I think it has an interesting concept, but it, it ultimately it's, it's a film very much like Aliens for me. It's like right, we're stuck here. There's something cool. I, every all the iconography is pretty cool, but like, oh, we're just waiting for the inevitable. I'm so like, I'm just like waiting for the inevitable to happen, and ultimately it does. The biggest problem with this this film is the fact that. It's like it, it, it comes out at a time where the CGI is not quite good enough, but also it, if it came out any later, it would still have the same issues of having sort of like a redundant plot where nothing really is fresh or unique here. I just think it's interesting. The comparison to like, oh, we're going to have to see a Jaws, Alien 3. I don't, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought David Tui would put much um, insight in making this screenplay as heavy as what he would have done with the, the previous uh, Alien 3. I don't, I don't believe that at all. It might be like, strands of DNA but but a fucking hair follicle of anything else um I just think I I I, I would say the, the whole Riddick franchise is a, is a franchise that ultimately has been heavily um abrasive due to Vin Diesel's involvement and unfortunately he's a he's a key ingredient which makes this film work so I'm not particularly like fond of it now well like I said when I was like nine years old I thought like fucking hell this is pretty cool and then you have Chronicles Riddick you think right 
this is meant to be like really cool, like Dune, but like it's it's just like something's not right here. And then you have like the third film, which is literally just this film with, with a new skin on it. I think this is a very tired concept to begin with, a film that deals with having a tired concept throughout. And that's what it is. It's just a it's just a dying, dying concept that has nothing really oh what to say that informative, exceptional, interesting, inquisitive. I mean, I could go on and on. It's just a film that just feels redundant from the from the get-go I, I i can understand it being an interesting i mean it is an interesting film to to have a look at i mean the arrow video release of it's pretty cool i've seen that it's a film that it's got a definitely cult status but this is a vin diesel that we, we don't have anymore this is a david Tui that doesn't exist anymore unfortunately in a film that is like existed for quite a long time so the recipe for there just it doesn't really gel for me at all right I mean, okay. So this this can be either a very short discussion or a very long one. There's not gonna there's not middle ground in here now. We're in this we're in this room, and then I think it's up to Jack to decide, <laughs> or maybe Carson, because Carson, you hated this. Um, I I haven't seen this in a very long time, and I didn't remember a single thing about it apart from the sort of general premise. So when I rewatched this, I was kind of stone cold fresh, and I actually did. I actually liked it quite a lot. Holy shit! This. Like it okay? Let's just let's just put it right out there. It's written like a porno. Like like I I have to give it to you. like you know like it's, it's it's yeah like characters are are stencils. They're, they're paper thin. Everything's kind of it's a it's a it's an off the shelf survival thriller made on a shoestring budget. But the aesthetic of it is just wow. Like it, I don't know, maybe it's a love it or hate it thing, but the sort of the sort of blown out whites and then you know the sort of the blue tint. This works for me, and then actually I'd say it hides the imperfections of the special effects, which you know they would be shit because the film costs I don't know like in total like twenty million to make, so you know that the models, the CGI models were not great, so they were kind of doing. I don't know, half decent job trying to hide this in darkness and whatever. So to me, this works. And then half of the film is a massive chase and it just distinctive visually to me enough that I, that I could, I could watch it again. So yeah, so these are my opening impressions, but now to the sort of relationship to the alien franchise, I'd say it's probably more related to the Mad Max films to me, at least in spirit and atmosphere. It's very wild. It's very sort of like George Miller, but, um, there's there's clear wings to the alien franchise in production design say of the spaceship um certain nods uh, to the sort of exteriors of the planet they're literally lifted from alien 3 almost like the sort of the, the setting suns and whatever they, they they clearly wink at you and say we appreciate the alien films and then you know and then if you're a fan of this you could po- possibly just your have your mind run a little bit and say oh maybe it's related maybe it's in the same universe i wouldn't blame anyone for doing that even though I, i'm not necessarily agreeing with that but it's a fun sort of to me exercise to to, to go on but yeah uh yeah, yeah but i mean this in the nicest way <laughs> i possibly could ever mean this watching this film i knew you were gonna like like this is very you this is very there, tax there collector i feel like all over again like <laughs> i appreciate it i Bingo, respect that your opinion i don't think it's stupid but like not for me not for me not for i you know i think the majority of people this is not going to be it but like watching this it's very yakub i mean in the nicest way possible <laughs> I, I just don't i just don't no get the alien three thing I, I just don't get no the i don't either <laughs> I just honestly, honestly, I don't. I think I, Tui was on record saying that he he the, the sort of idea of 
um, even the models are kind of just slightly inspired by the alien queen, like the the, the teeth. Like you could see, there's there's so the, yeah, the, the, the thematically, kind of why does why yeah. does this thematically work with Alien Three? Like I like sure the production might be a little bit inspired, but like because what from an ideal standpoint is like well that's no connected. it's it's related because he used to work on the Alien project and that happened to be Alien Three. So that this is th these are the probably notes and little sort of sketches and drawings that he took away with him when he was fired. Well, thank God they didn't ceremoniously, use them. By the way, good happy they didn't use them. I wouldn't use them after this either. <laughs> I mean. Because I can't remember what he introduced into the Alien Three. I think he came up, came aboard with this sort of wooden planet idea, which no one really. Yes, I, I remember reading that. Do you know? I'm not. Gonna, I don't really particularly want to talk about this person, but I find that uh, Chris Stuckman uh, did a really interesting. Um, I was mentioned in the previous one, but Jakub just kept on talking. I couldn't get a word in. But um, as a joke, I, I as a joke, don't worry. <laughs> um, but he he has a he has like a 45 minute conversation about Alien Three. Goes all about the pre production. He talks about the wooden planet with David Tua. If anyone wants to like talk about Alien Three or listen to it a bit more, especially the connection with this film, I would listen to that. It's a really interesting podcast, but well, not a podcast, but a video with them. Um, I, I can't remember Michael Mann, man is Matthew or something. Like, fuck, I was his last name is. Um, really interesting film on Instagram. Um, anyway, um, but I, I find that like I think with, with the alien DNA here, I think you're putting one on one together and getting five. Like I think if on, on first and foremost, if you're gonna, I think anything will ultimately the we will always know the house that built that that franchise we'll, we'll know the genre so anything that comes after it we will put one on one together it's like you can get you can look at anything with a, with megan or like sharks stuff like that and it's like all oh, right it's, it's from jaws i mean i mean it's like it's a bit of a fucking reach but like fair enough because it's got a shark in it like i suppose here i think that that manifestation comes in a bit stronger and harder because of the actual connective tissue with david two in that franchise but this is his own entity i don't think this has got anything to do with alien and well, yeah, I think like the, the beginning, they're in a cryo sleep. This, the ship looks eerily similar to what what Nostromo <laughs> looks like. It's pr in production design. Oh, I'm, I'm, the I'm people were I'm clearly sorry. given notes and saying like, no. "I want the, I want this to have an alien feel." No, I'm sorry. That's like yes. that's like the the Paul West the Paul W. Anderson film, like Soldier with Kurt Russell. Like it's in the Blade Runner universe. Like fuck off, because it has like a fucking car that they're driving. I'm sorry. Like you cannot stitch together. Two things that are not like, meant to be. Together. You understand the notion of nuance, right? No, I, I do, but I think yeah, like David it's not like oh yeah, it's, it's like oh, we're, we're making a film in this universe. No, we're just making no, a I, link, a nod. I, I think I, I again this connective tissue. There'll be there'll be slight, um, there'll be like intercontextuality here because he'll he'll will have designs that were rejected from Alien, and I'm glad he got his own film here because I think he'll be very proud of this, and I think for the most part, I think he succeeds with what he wants to do. But I, again, we talk about uncut gems. This this is a fucking rough gem. If, if no, one, fair enough, it's yeah. so rough on the edges. It's unbelievable. It has not aged very well. They tried to make a franchise out of it, and it's oh, interesting. It, it aged quite well, considering considering other films that we've been talking about in, on this very podcast. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, Congo well. to go off, is it really? But I suppose. Yeah, Congo didn't. Uh, yeah, but then again, Congo didn't wasn't all those talking, marked yeah. by CGI. This, this is this is this is to me going going after the mummy returns almost because this is early cgi you can actually do it in a way that will age let's just say respectably when you hide your imperfections and not not put it in just broad daylight no there's a merit to, there's a merit to a filmmaker there i appreciate that there is i i fully start think the, the, <laughs> there's a merit to a filmmaker there if you if you have a if you have a film that's not quite working and and you can you can manage to sort of make something uh, a positive out of a negative 
a genius. That's a genius level thing. I, I do appreciate that. But in the same level, like you look at Alien vs. Predator Requiem and you think like, well, hang on a second here. Like if, if this film is like built the way it is, sometimes you've got to just show the imperfections as is. I, I, again, I, if you want to, if you're making th things that don't look quite right, then you have to edit that like, a, you know, it, to be quite dark in the film. And yes, it gives off like an eerie effect. I think that's a positive that comes out of negative, but I don't think that's a that's a conscious decision to make. You're just hiding your imperfections there. I don't think that's a conscious like Jaws. The shark doesn't work, so they didn't use the shark a lot. That's a positive that comes out of a negative, but it's not an imperfection on the film. Whereas these monsters are not particularly scary, are they? I mean, I don't really like the design, like Carson says. Well, I don't think they particularly as strong as they could be, uh, especially when the film is all about tension. We know we're getting from one side to another side. So you weren't uh, so you weren't affected by by it at all, Nicolo. Help me, please, because you know. These I just two actually Jesus. helping you. I was going to say something like, not only does this have early CGI, but this also doesn't have the benefit of having digital coloring. And I'm glad Carson mentioned it. There's a very brief sequence in the film when there's like two suns, three suns, whatever. Everything becomes super bright and bluish, and that was god awful to watch. That's like one of the worst types of coloring I've seen in a major motion picture, probably ever. They fix that almost instantly as soon as it becomes black because it's, it's completely in darkness and they use light in very creative ways and they liked it. But there's some parts that I would say were pretty bad even back then in terms of visuals. In the first part, and that's, that was kind of my problem with the whole thing, like it started. You have, you have these people and they're talking. It's like, there's conflict. Sure, you've seen this a thousand times before this one and even more since. Uh, but what, what made it work for me was Riddick. Like once Riddick is fully introduced, once he's part of the group, you're like, you know what? I forgot Vin Diesel can actually act. I forgot yeah. whoa, you can have whoa, nuances whoa. He, apparently and the the different emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with like CG enhancements. The man Max thing the Mad Max thing you came out with, it's like because it's shot in Australia. Like I, I don't, I, don't, I find the Mad Max thing interesting. I think Fury Road, yeah, but this is quite clearly a, a very childhood, not a childhood, but like a formative year film for you. And I don't mean that condescending. I think we all have them where, like Mouse Hunt for me. Like I'm, I watch Mouse Hunt, and I can, I can. You said about your Alien franchise. I could definitely do a podcast on that. How technical that film is. But at the end of the day, it's about two comic characters running after a fucking CGI mouse. The only so far you can go. I think with this, it's a very similar film where I, I have an appreciation for this film in a way that when I was younger, I liked it because I thought it was something different and unique. It was that film where you know you couldn't watch Alien Three back then because obviously that would that would scare you for life. You could get away with watching this and be like, oh, that's a bit frightening, but nothing too bad. I think it fits a nice little worldview of someone who's entering sci-fi, science fiction, horror. And I think it works there. But I think that if this film is anything to go by, I think there was a right decision to get rid of David Tui out of the Alien franchise because I don't think he's got the scope. Laser proves that with the sequel. I don't think he's got the ingenuity of making something frightening proved by this and its sequel. I don't think he can work with the actors to, a, to an astonishing degree as other performers have in the Alien franchise, this film and its sequels. Um, I, I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting thing to look at. And again, it's like, I don't think you really have to make a franchise out of this. I'm glad they did because I do. I actually do have a like slight. I think it's interesting. We come at different ages. Meaning, I'm not going to. I'm not making this as a joke. Like we do. I think you come at Pitch Black to a level I come at Chronicles of Riddick, where 
I, I've bought Chronicles Ridicule. I think got everything. I've, I bought it on VHS. I bought it on DVD. And I bought it on Blu-ray. I like what that film sets up. I like the universe there. But it came out about where I wasn't particularly interested in the in the science fiction genre, and I didn't know too much about uh, other films within that that medium. I think that, that and not to speak for you, but I think that Pitch Black comes at a very similar de- degree for you, Jacob. Potentially, I mean, but you know, I I, I can see. I mean, I, I, well, I don't think it's a formative experience for me because I w- I think I would have remembered it, um, because I kind of didn't. Um, but what I will say is, I I can I can see its flaws. But okay, well, this is where Carson will say, yeah, this is such a Jakob film because I like car crash films. I like these films that have, <laughs> that have wrinkles, that have scars. Because they they're fun. Like that's why I kind of just I, I I'm I, I'm kind of fond of the theatrical entry anyway because it's it's flawed. It's it, it's errors, but it kind of just I don't know. It's fun to to see them and then because it gives stuff character to me. Um, like you know, so I can see that say this this film actually takes off when you actually literally just have to knock off four characters because David Tui cannot write dialogue for more than three people at a time. And that's yes, fine. Obvious. Yeah. But then once once you actually once you're left with the big imam and Riddick who says absolutely fuck all and, and the lady fry, uh, how they're just you know walking across across the plains with um with a f- fiber optic cable that's kind of fluorescent, looks great. This this is a great effect, it's memorable. I kind of like this. It's, it's it has these visual ideas that are just I don't know. It's, you can see that it's coming from a mind that's very inspired in in sort of visual terms. Although he, the guy fucking cannot write dialogue for if if his life depend, depended on him. But yeah, so I can appreciate this these pieces of nuance and then latch onto them and say like I like this film, especially that I like the character of Riddick because it's and then with the character of Riddick it actually comes the implicit idea of this film being very interestingly world built. Because there's zero exposition, zero world building, and you just—it's—it's—it could have been a flash in the pan like Star Wars used to be. That you can just—if—if it—if it came at the right time, it would be the sort of cult classic that blossomed into a massive franchise because it—it um—it invites people to ride around it because it doesn't give you anything. It gives you hints of a world, it gives you hints of a lore, but it doesn't give you anything, which which basically just would invite people to write fan fiction about. Yeah, it's insane that this is actually an original story. Because yeah. it it does like it's, I mean I say it in a way that's both a positive and a negative because <laughs> it's super derivative in so many ways, but also it was trying to go for something new for something different. He has some cool ideas here and there, like you said. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a weird film. Like it really is one of those films that only got better as the longer it went on, because it's it has a great problem of many other horror sci-fi thrillers. That's like oh we have like four maybe five interesting characters but we cannot start killing them off super early so we have like a dozen other completely pointless people in this cast um, and this one has i don't know how many characters are even there i don't remember any of them outside of the main ones i think there's like, like nine have, in total right Something feels like, like there's both more and less of them <laughs> but, but they're so yeah. unmemorable that you can you have to kind of think think hard to think to, to just visualize either of them Yes, but the ones that you do remember and kind of care for, um, I find them pretty good. I mean, Riddick, we'll talk more about Riddick, but you mentioned the Imam, played by the great uh, Keith David. Uh, and I was super surprised by the way they treated his character, because it could have easily been, like when it starts off, he's an Imam with his 
um, the fellow young Muslims trying to learn the ways of Allah. And it was, I cringed at the beginning. I was like, oh no, this can go so bad, so wrong. Instead, I found that to be surprising one of the more nuanced aspects of the film, which is still very in your face, <laughs> but compared to other parts of dialogue, there's a, there's a respect of Islam, of Muslim culture, that in a pre-9-11 world, I found kind of refreshing um, and I'm surprising. science fiction com- context. And even that, yes, yes. So it, 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 it definitely added more to his character and to the whole film even then. And like you said, you, there is no real explanation why they believe in that. There's, there's other religions going on. Who knows? Doesn't really matter. But yeah, I thought it was like a nice little theme of the film. See, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> argue with that, Nicole. But I kind of feel like I'm on like another planet than you guys. I don't That's really understand how a film that is so underwritten and gives you no reason to care about anyone but Riddick, like you can be like, oh, what a great screenplay. I don't get how a film that hides <laughs> its flaws by going and cutting up the film and then just giving random color grading and then putting about 15 Instagram filters on every single scene, you can be like, oh wow, what a directorial achievement, like. This film is shit. This film is not made well. This film is not good. Like, don't try to lie to yourselves and be like, oh, wow, the color grading is so inventive. It's shit. It's, it's you can't it's, look it's, at it. It hurts. It um, physically hurts to look at this film. Maybe there's the something half. wrong with your eyes. I mean, it didn't hurt me, but it was just like, wow, this is. Oh, know, yeah. Go. Uh, sure. Go <laughs> look right. at it and then tell me, oh, this looks good. You, Jacob, I know you're a little older. If you ever download Instagram, you're going to be amazed by some of the photos. Oh, like, wow, what a directorial. Now. I've got it. What a directorial achievement. It. I'm, this I'm, is, it's I'm, not good. I'm still, I'm still learning how to, uh, how to use it. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll say this as well. Just on the, on the concept of this franchise, I know we spoke about the alien one. Um, you know, when you look at its sequel, and I, I'm not going to try, I'm not going to try and like go over what I've already said here, but I think you can you can at least look at David Tui as a director and look like you made you made a singular vision here, and then you you went a bit further and you really started to delve into making a world. And when you look at the production design and the sets of Chronicles of Riddick, I think there's something to be really admired. I think it's a it's a bigger film, and I think he does very well with it. I think he looks at looks at this universe, and he does sort of write it in a really quite not 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 like pragmatic but like it, it's an interesting it's an interesting like way to go it's very much cyberpunk F- feels very quite fresh unique there's a lot of like really nice cool little layers in there and the problem with that franchise is that it has the main star who then ultimately defines itself on him and i think it's the issue that has happened with everything that man's been in you look at like you know his, his independent work is is in his sort of non-franchise work like falling and stuff like that and you you see it and you like same Pratt Ryan this they're very interesting pieces of work and then when you look at his franchise game it's just like you know this film's not really about the film is it's about you and all of those Fast and Furious films are about him all the the triple X films which progressively get shit and worse are then become about him and then you look at like whatever that Bloodshot film was about it's not really a character it's him he's become he's become not necessarily a meme let's say but he's become an actor that's become a franchise within himself now he's an 80s action star he's basically like arnold schwarzenegger he's not a character he's just himself no 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 but arnold schwarzenegger would would make films that was clearly action inspired where he didn't care about like the genre where it was like look we're going for it he didn't have to cover up for his his ego sort of my point is like 
Schwarzenegger went for the R rating regardless of what, because that's what the film demanded. I don't think Bloodshot's a film that really wants to go that extra further because he wants the box office money, but the film ultimately is defined by him. It never happened to Schwarzenegger. It never happened to Stallone. Well, maybe it happened to Sloan, um, you know, before an era in the 2000s where he couldn't get work for anything. But it's interesting that I find that Vin Diesel, I find him as a, a turnoff because he is who he is, which I don't want to, that sounds absolutely terrible because he can't be anything but defined by himself. But anything that man's in, I do cringe. I just think, oh my God. Like I, I say this story every so often. I said to my mom and dad the other day, you know, the, the third triple X film, I took I took Sunshine, who, who does most of our editing work um, with the crew, uh, to the cinema to watch that because she, she likes to take the piss out of Fast and Furious films. And 10 minutes within the film, there's only us and I think a group of people in there. And she just turned to me and went, is this a comedy? And I went, no. And she just cringed. And I think that, that, that really sort of personifies Vin Diesel's craft at the moment. I think that Pitch Black and Constable Riddick, I think they really do have an interesting criteria to talk about, but it's ultimately under, underdone by whatever Riddick is because the, the third film is just him. It's just him with fucking goggles on. I think I think Vin Diesel sort of, I don't think anyone would want to admit it, but I feel like we're going to have an Iron Man situation like Robert Downey Jr. After the, the Shane Black Iron Man, you know, there was, there was you know, Robert Downey Jr. walked away for a second and said, look, I'm going to do my own thing here. He made the judge. It was absolutely terrible. It was laughed at everybody, everywhere. And the fuck had to sign on for the, the Ironman for the seven years. We're going to have the same Vin Diesel. This Fast and Furious stuff's not finished. We're going to have three more films of this Justin Lin stuff. And there are going to be fucking more of them. He hasn't got anywhere else to go because he, he can't define himself on anything else. I think he's a man really in trouble as a performer. And I think this, this when you look back at this, you see an actor, especially say with Private Ryan, there's something there. There really is something there. He has he has a wonderful sort of he's he's a very physical pre, he has a very physical presence as a, as an actor. But in those films, especially uh, Sim Private Ryan, in the very small amount of time he has, he has heart. He has a really nice emotional connection. And then he chose to go the franchise route. He chose to go the 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 the, 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 the action hero. And while that might have put quite a lot of coin in his pocket I think that for the for the most part and I'm going to probably stop here I think it's really brought detriment to that man's career I don't think he can go anywhere else I mean I don't think but, he has a range I would say. do you think he do, he has I don't think he does I think he does I think I think he had I think he has a has a niche I think he has a spot that he's where built he built that niche for him that's my point like, I think yeah he, he, so I think he, he can act. Do that boy can act yeah, I mean, he Not now, even, even in like Saving Private Ryan, like his he basically just Spielberg has probably, or maybe the so sort of, he was cast for the right character, that's pretty much what it is. And then yes. he, he would need to be cast in the right character because he doesn't, he, he, can't, he can't be put in, an, in a role that doesn't, that isn't tailored to him and then just you know expand his and spread his wings and then figure out how to make this make make it his because he has have to be purpose built for him for for him to shine and then you know riddick is kind of one of those characters but then again if you look what happens next he doesn't know how to develop this character because he doesn't have the sort of legs or uh, the workshop sort of cr or craft to kind of just develop a character he's He's a guy who recites lines, and he just looks. You know, he, he he's half of his charisma is, is his look. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to go there again. Out of him and Dwayne the Rock Johnson, I'm on the Rock side. If I'm gonna go there, I've got to do it. 
That's the fucking. I mean, even when you watch Rampage, his charisma. Let's put it this way. Don't worry, like he's jumping from skyscrapers, which is ironically called skyscraper. Those films are terrible. Rampage is pretty good, but skyscraper is terrible. But Dwayne Dwayne Johnson has lots of charisma, just in. Yes, he does, but he also he has range as well. Yes, he has talent. I don't don't know which podcast it was on. I was talking with Alina. I don't know if it was this. The mummy we were talking about. But we were talking about like, oh, in like 20 years, he's definitely going to win an Oscar when he's older and he has like some really deep role. But like, well, I would, I would range, bet against that. Talent, yeah. he, has, yeah. he has everything. I mean, because he's, he's a, a wrestler. He theater's he, he, he part of wrestling as well. So but it's he, not he just like empty charisma. He doesn't just need to be loud. Not, even in the ne- moments, Never in my life I said it's empty charisma. Well, I'm not arguing it's you. I'm saying in general. But you know, he has, he is a way more talented performer than Vin I'm just going to throw out a hot take. I reckon. I reckon in the, in the next twenty years, I reckon if he made made a film about his dad, I reckon he'll win the Oscar. Because with fighting with my family, I'll, I'll know that that film is like, oh, oh god. Looking back on it, I just definitely some like he has a sweet moment in there with Florence Pugh, who's who's amazing in her own right. He's making a yeah, show but, about his dad right now. Well, yeah, yeah. But I, I I think there's definitely something like a Honey Boy situation where he can look back because because I mean he was playing in Canada, he was playing Canadian football, he had no money. His dad was like a fledging WWF star. And then, you know, things got better, didn't they? I suppose. I mean, they wouldn't be here now, but there's definitely a, a very melancholy, melancholy story to have. But just I mean, on the note of Vin Diesel, because um, you, you were talking uh, there about uh, stuff like that. Uh, I, don't, I, just, I, just, I just find the whole thing, I find him so frustrating to watch. I'll go watch the next Fast and Furious film, but I don't. I don't. I'm not going to laugh with it. I'll laugh at it. And I paid my fucking money for it, and I can do what I want. But with it, with these films, I'm just like, like, all you have as an actor is that you can you have pectoral muscles, and I'm sat there and I'm thinking, do you know what? I bet you couldn't cry on screen, and I bet you couldn't. Honestly, I don't think you could cry on demand as an actor. I would demand that. Honestly. Mm-hmm. I would do. I, I think the main, the main problem with Vin Diesel is that compared to someone like Dwayne Johnson, he has a very, very low self-esteem, I think, and is filled with self-doubt. And Dwayne Johnson, when he started acting and everything, he took some major risks. Oh, like, yes. Hold on, something like Southland Tales and many other movies and Tooth Fairy, whatever bullshit he made. But, but he kept doing them. Like He kept trying, at least. Yeah, so I I would say I would say I don't agree with what you were saying earlier about like the I think you may have forgotten about Harrison. That's the thing. That's what I wanted to say. He's already had his like Robert Downey Jr. moment. He made Riddick. He made Triple X and everything. Was like okay, I'm gonna try and space out. And he did like Pacifier, A Man Apart, Find Me Guilty. I don't even know what that is. And then he just was like, um... yeah, those are. It's like ooh. who made the double the double for you dead? What's his name? Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet. Oh, again. Yeah, found me guilty. Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Yes, which is a film that I know it's generally well accepted, but it's oh. not like a spectacular or anything. What? He tried. He tried, and he was like, you know what? I'm scared shitless. I'm going back to the Fast and Furious. Yes. And since then, he's made only Fast and Furious, and Guardians of the Galaxy, and Riddick, and that's it. I think I think and, Groot epitomizes his talent. Honestly, that's all he can do. But then he's, but that's, he's, that's he's what in makes... a mocap suit, right? Oh, or, or is he just a voice? Is, maybe. I think it's just a voice, actually. Yeah. No, but then he, <laughs> which is like, but there's, there's, there's would that make uh, it any better if he did the mocap? No, but there's <laughs> no. I don't know. I know, but there's there's, <laughs> no. there's athletes turned actors, and there's athletes turned actors. There's Dwayne Johnsons who can, um, who can play 
like I don't know. I can I can buy him even when he was younger. Say in Walking Tall, amazing performance. By the way, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, but then there's people who were like I think Vin Diesel, as in he's just it's like a massive muscle asked to act. He's more like Hulk Hogan trying to act. Have you ever seen Ballers on HBO? Uh, no, I don't think I did. I used I used to binge watch it. I used to do about six episodes a season. It used to be about 30 minutes. But every time you would get into the season, it would end. Like, there was just no substance to it. But when you watch it, it's very interesting. You talk about, like, it's about uh, an, ex, an ex-footballer played by Dwayne Rock Johnson who goes into age and, you know, doing all the fees of, for football. It's very interesting stuff. Um, I couldn't see Vin Diesel ever touching that. Not only because it would be too risky, like Nick said, but I don't think he's got the, um, I don't think he's got the the, the the risk factor of like, could he sit on a dud? Could could he really sit on something like that and be like, look? Because I mean, you you look at when when Dwayne Johnson made that uh, Hercules film, mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting when you look at that. And it, it's like you know, do you remember the other day when I said, um, on the, I used to watch The Judge and it used to stop and he used to have to watch it again. Do you remember I told that story? Yes. I watched the judge. I watched the judge once, and uh, every time I would watch it, or I would pause it, would go back to the beginning. So I watched it like sixteen times. It was horrific. The, the Hercules used to do the same thing. So I'd watch the opening. I was like, "This is fucking boring." And then it would get to the point where I was like, "I can't watch it anymore. I can't stomach it." So it's ruined my ruined my film there. But I remember they brought out an extended cut of it, which is I don't I don't know if that's even more interesting. Probably not. But you 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 can see that. Vin Diesel's always wanted to make a Hannibal film, not not the uh, the, the cannibal, the, uh, the the dictator, the uh, the um, tactician, commander. I th- yeah, yeah. And you you would have thought with all his might in this world, he could have made that film now. And then Dwayne the Rock Johnson just makes Hercules out like on a whim. I just think they're at very two different points in their careers, and one's quite clearly got far more longevity and, and versatility. I don't think we'll see much of Vin Diesel in the next decade. I think he could turn a path of making a really good independent film, but I don't think anybody would watch it. And I mean that on the in, in the harshest degree. I think anyone would be just be turned off completely. Nobody wants once you once you become stapled as a hard man like that. I just don't think anybody wants to see that. And if you do it, and you can really turn the tide, like a Bob Hoskins or something like that, you know, you can make Long Good Friday, and then you can make Roger Rabbit. I think that that solidifies how much talent you have as an actor. I don't think Vin Diesel could do that. Because even the pacify, I'm just thinking, you didn't know what this was really about, did you? Really? Because you thought this was going to be fun, and it's not very fun. Yeah. I mean, there's like, there's like, really, and then that film where he finds that kid's like swastika in his bag, and he's like, you think, where is this going? And then he's playing a Nazi in a play. It's like, oh wow, this is. Did you really do this thirteen, like a, in a PG film? It's like, well played. But I mean, not really. I mean, I'll put it this way, like. You could you could imagine sort of in a similar vein like someone twenty years ago like twenty years later say like David Gordon Green or someone like this writing a script that's specifically tailored for someone like Vin Diesel but then again you could argue that you could give it to Dwayne Johnson he would kill it oh yes I don't think David but Gordon Green of... would, would be giving him any material I think he's far past that <laughs> no no but you know like some of someone of that sort of sensitivity that you know like write a yeah. heartfelt drama about someone who's like has like an athlete's past I, I think, or something like this and I then, think, then yeah. and this this would be something that you could offer to Vin Diesel and with a right director that you could probably make it work but at the same time you could give it to Dwayne Johnson and this would be his Oscar role do you know what Vin Diesel would be perfect for now would be Aronofsky's The Wrestler uh, yes, I mean may- maybe in twenty years from now when they remake it. 
I, I think something like that for Vin Diesel could really work, but Vin Diesel won't take the ego dump. He won't take it and have to bring down his paycheck. Fair play to him. If he's come from a working class background, uh, as which he has from Brooklyn, have you heard he's, he's got a twin brother called Car Diesel? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, Car oh, Diesel. Sorry. No, but uh, isn't his his brother like super fat or something like this? Because there, there were people who, I can't remember now. No, that's that's not. We shouldn't talk about it anyway. Cause there's some chunky boys, so I don't <laughs> want to like that. But he he's got an identical twin brother called uh, he's called Vincent, isn't it? I can't remember what the other one is. He's got an identical twin brother. Used to be uh, used to be uh, what are they called now beatboxers and uh, stuff like that on in Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. I just think if he's come from a background like that and, you know, you've, you've got the bag, fucking fair play to him. But I think there's a lot more in Vin Diesel's character than Riddick. Having a fucking... He has he does this thing where he defines his characters on one trait, which have to be intriguing. And, like, his audience have to demand more, like, wow, what's wrong with his eyes? Or, like, wow, why is he always saying family? Or, you know, wow, like, he's a robot. I was like, you know, I, I get to the point where it was like, when, when these Terminator reboots were happening, it was like, he's going to be touted to be the next Terminator. I was thinking... Fucking hell, like, has he not done that most of his living career, like being a lifeless cyborg? I mean, I don't know. I really like the guy, I, really, I like the guy, there's something about him, but I think, I think, um, audiences have moved on, they want a connection. And I think Dwayne the Rock Johnson will, will, does, has that connection already. He's, he's like American sweetheart and he'd probably run for president the next decade. What will Vin Diesel yes. be doing? Yeah, it's two different types of egos at the end of the day, and even the fact that, like, from the Fast and Furious films. Vin Diesel has his sister, I think, who's always like, oh, he cannot take more punches than he's throwing and he cannot lose the fight and shit like that. Which, to bring it back to Pitch Black, that's what made it entertaining for me. Like, it's a side of Vin Diesel that I forgot. Uh, beginning of his career, where he was starting to become more, like, famous and popular, but he wasn't still the household head name that he is now. Yes. Um, and seeing him not take the stage in the first 40 50 minutes of the film even that was refreshing not in a good yeah. way because i didn't care about anyone else but still it was like oh shit he's giving the space to other characters other actors um he's collaborating with them he he never towers over them as a character as well they're always on an even playing field in terms of performances um and that's what captivated me it's an interesting character um again like you said actually i'm thinking about it most of the quirks are always more visual and physical than character traits or anything like that in his films, in his characters. But there was still something alluring to him because it's the criminal, hardened and violent, but with a heart of gold and he knows what's right. Um, and at the end, you can see the pain when the woman gets taken away, dying, literally dying for him instead of him. So I, I found there was... I, okay, just because it doesn't get taken out of context, I found there was a lot of heart for a low budget B movie, I think like, we know what, what you, where you're going with this. It's not like it's you know, it's you know, it's not like Schindler's List. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. Because I, I'm honestly, I'm a, I'm a big, big sucker for um, action thriller horrors of the lowest common denominator, just to enjoy them on a purely like superficial level. If they manage to entertain me, I'm just super happy. And this did. This managed to fully entertain me. Well, no, not fully, but like. <laughs> Most of the second part of the film was incredibly entertaining for me, you know, but it never reached the emotional, like it, there was never anything to really get attached to, no one to really care for. 
in an incredibly deep way. It's all very surface level, um, and that's fine, I guess, for what they were the, going for. The, the one film that I'm going to end off this as well, because I, 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 I can't be talking about fucking Riddick any, any longer, but I, I find that there's one film that describes this project is it's vulnerable. It has a very vulnerable lead, lead cast member, which is good for the film. It has a very vulnerable plot, which leads to the tension. But in the same way, it has vulnerable um, you know, aesthetics that don't really work. It has a vulnerable director. It's a vulnerable star who's not very well known. The CGI is very vulnerable because it doesn't really work at times. The light, the lighting here is purposely convicted because it's vulnerable and it, it doesn't have enough money. I think it's just a film that best describes this. You're going to ask later. This is an uncut, an uncut gem. I don't think this is this is not a gem at all. I, I think it's a very it's a it's so difficult to assess this film. Because I'm, I'm trying to sort of look at it as a 25-year-old and think, I would have expected better than this. But when you look at it back in the time frame, there's still issues when it was released. I, I think it's a very vulnerable film, and to that I give it credit. It's a film that we'll never see Vin Diesel ever in again. I don't ever want to watch a David Tui film because it doesn't interest me whatsoever. But the two connections at this time work for the limited amount of time it does. But there are better films of this logic. There are better films of this time around that time. And there are better uh, narrative films around this time, especially within the genre. So to me, it just gets lost in the pile. I can find, I can understand if like in 20 years time, it was like, oh, it's a cult classic. And it should have that because there is something about this. But to me, I'm going to probably just say it's it's just a film that doesn't do it either for me or against me. I'm just so in the road with it. I I could take it on either day. I I could, I could, I could, I could, I could watch it. I could watch it tomorrow and have no issue, but I could go the next 10 years and not watch it and I wouldn't have a fucking issue. That's how I feel with this. I have that relationship with it. It just doesn't do anything for me. I would be surprised why you would come back to this. In fact, I'd be, I'd be fucking fascinated, to be honest. Right, okay. So well, on that note, like, well, we kind of transitioned already into this. So Carson, right. yeah, Carson, um, let's just say oh, like closing statements. Where do you stand on this? Absolute so, gem. One of the best films I've ever seen in my life. Uh, David Fincher, your heart out. Okay. No, but so I, I, I know. Pile of shit. No, I mean, it's 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 not a, like, it's not a complete, there is something here, but I think that makes it even more frustrating that the execution is so bad. Because I think with Riddick, an interesting, like there is something here, but the film just fails it completely. I, this is it. But most of all, I think above anything else, this film is not for me. So even to be like, oh, but let's give a real critical analysis. I feel like it's almost wrong for me to do. Cause like for very subjective reasons, the film already was not working for me. Doesn't help that the execution is as shitty as it is. It just isn't my thing. I would never watch this again. I would never talk about this again. I would never do. This is just not my thing in a million different ways. That's fair enough. Um, Nicolo? I would recommend it if you're very big on genre films. Like, with zero pretenses, you're going to get literally, like, the minimal dose of entertainment you could want from something like this. And I also, side note, I made the same mistake that I did with Alien 3, which which is I saw the extended cut of this, which is only, like, four minutes long, but I can already tell. It's pointless character development. They could have easily been cut. So don't watch that if you can watch the theatrical version. Right. Okay. No, I don't know. I have a feeling that this 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 has a cult following kind of written all over its forehead as well. Is it because it's made like you, you, just by this discussion, like you can see it's kind of made to a specific sort of niche of audiences who kind of dig that kind of stuff. 
and and then who are also willing to go the extra mile to sort of put certain put a lot of the sort of shortcomings of this film in their blind spot and say yeah i can disregard that it's written like a like an absolute atrociously written porno film i can disregard this and that and the other and then have fun with it if you can do that fine and then i have i, I have a thing that i'm kind of i don't want to say i'm one of those people because i don't think this is a masterpiece or anything or, and i wouldn't really attend like a midnight screening of this but i can i, I can see how some people would I can put myself in someone else's shoes and say, yeah, that's 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 kind of an interesting sort of car crash of a film that probably wouldn't have been made if the circumstances weren't right at the time. It's just a miracle that this, this, this thing kind of exists in the first place because it has so many things that have, have gone wrong with it. So many things that are just, it's just such a flawed film on so many levels, but it has so many interesting sort of visual quirks that kind of just make makes it persevere enough that Arrow releases a 4K re- restoration of it. So, so there are some people who are serious enough about it to kind of think it's it's interesting. I would never, I, I don't think it's a it's a gem by any means or, or anything like that. So I don't, I don't think this is um, uh, this is for everyone. This is for a very specific narrow mar- sort of niche of. Of, of of film lovers who just love that kind of sort of schlocky entertainment that they're willing to sort of look at this as like oh yeah well this is like a mad max meets a alien sort of in terms of atmosphere and spirit but nothing else and then they have to just i, I don't know you'd ha- you have to really talk yourself into liking sort of um certain aspects of sort of performances because they're not good but i, I don't know it, certain visuals, at least for me, they're memorable enough that I kind of had enough fun. And you know, half of it is genuinely fun to watch because it's just a massive chase. So there's that. Yeah, and uh, just to add, like a super, yeah. super, super small side note, um, I would say that one of the reasons why this has become kind of a cult franchise is also thanks to the video games. Um, movie-based video games have a terrible track record, but if you look on almost any list, both. Escape from Butcher Bay and uh, Assault on Dark Athena, which came out in 2004 and 2009, which is right in between Chronicles of Riddick. Um, they are beloved. They're considered some of the best ones and they've played them. And they're honestly, I would say they're better than this film, even uh, in terms of atmosphere and everything. So if anyone's a gamer in the of the listeners, just I recommend playing them because they're worth it. Um, and they've helped popularize as well the films even more over the years. I mean, it's an interesting wrinkle anyway when you think about this. This is such a, like, I don't know. It, it, it's su- such a sort of interesting experience because you know this film's heavily flawed, but it kind of just, all of a sudden you have video games spawned and it, it just kind of, it could have been, I don't know, if it was handled by someone else, this idea, mm-hmm. or maybe with a little bit more sort of, I, I don't know what, you, what you'd have to do, just... And to, to make to make it work but this could have this had um the sort of seeds to be like a star wars film in terms of what what it could have spawned and then actually did spawn in a, a little bit but it didn't have the legs to 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 to, to, to carry it all the way like this is not going to be like a 40 year long sort of sustain self-sustaining sort of franchise but yeah i think the mad max approach that you mentioned could have worked even better in the sense of it's not like i i haven't seen Riddick and Chronicles of Riddick, but from what I know, they're like super lore heavy. It's all about him, his race. I think ditch that, just make some high concepts like, okay, fantasy setting, sci-fi in space, it's a prison, wherever you want, whatever. 
Riddick is there as the avatar's audience or whatever, just like Mad Max. He just goes on yeah. various adventures, encounters other people, and is just this shadowy figure that ranger. sees these events unfold. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I think that could be a good yeah. way to go. Other than you just know, always like a chosen they, one from his yeah, race. They, they and, missed out <laughs> with, with trying to make it into Dune. I think they, that yes. was a mistake. Do you know earlier you talked about um, the video games, Nick, about you know the Vindiesel? What do you think about the Wheelman? Is that is that? Would you consider that a classic as well? No. <laughs> oh God, the Wheelman. Just super super small side note. Wheelman looked fantastic when I saw the trailers as a kid. I played it for the first time like three or four years ago, and it's borderline unplayable. It's a broken fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> Just those, of course. Oh, um, dear. Vin Diesel loves his video games and he loves his D and D. So bless yes, him. he does. Bless yeah. Yeah, he likes Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, how about <laughs> let's do this? I think because you know we're running already. On you know this, I think this episode has run its course. So, so I, um, let me just say this, like, um, because I think there's there are some people who maybe on, on in in this episode who are kind of just feeling uneasy about the, the type of shit we're covering. <laughs> and then I think the idea of this is sometimes you you you'll get talk about um to a ma- about a masterpiece and sometimes you get uh, something that you really have to struggle to kind of to like because some some films are orphaned because circumstances weren't right or or shit just happened and some films are orphaned because they're not good um but even the, even the bad ones i think that, that that's just my personality at least i don't know where you guys stand on this but these the bad one even the bad ones at least in my view Sometimes they deserve the five minute in the spotlight to just, you know, like this sort of like these wrinkled old men. They're they're just, you know, they they deserve to be looked at because they've had a life, they've had an experience, and then maybe maybe there's something about them that would endear at least one person in the world to to pick, to pick them up. So so yeah, so there's so there's that. Can I, can I just add one thing before we go? Yeah. It's interesting that Nicola and, and, and Carson have made their comments about uh, Pitch Black, considering what you both said and, and your positives and negatives for, for each uh, of yourselves. It'd be very interesting for you to both watch the Riddick film, the third one, because it's essentially the same concept, but high, uh, better visuals. Mm-hmm. It, it has a, It's exactly the it. same film. I think, you, I think it'd be interesting to judge both of your like, calibrations of it and see that film with a, with a better budget, with a more... 21st century in vision. I think it'd be very interesting to com- compare the two because out of all three films, I, li- I don't mind either three, to be honest. I could watch them tomorrow. Like I said, I wouldn't have an issue. The first one will always be like the, 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 the probably the strongest one. I like the, the uh, idea of the second one. I don't like the execution. But the third one's always interesting because it's almost like rectifying, you know, going back to the, to, to the, the formula and trying to build from it. Um, so it'd be interesting to, to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, even you, Yaku, which surprises me as well. Even though I'm old, when is your birthday, Jack? Mine, yeah, 6th of March 1996. Oh, well, I don't know the year. Uh, next March, we should do that, Yaku, for his birthday episode. Really? I don't want to do it for my birthday. Why? Okay, I'm just, just, fucking out here saying you want I mean, it. Okay, no, I could so, do anything. No, I, I could do anything for my birthday. I'm not watching fucking okay. Riddick. No, so, yeah, I don't. No, well, we should do it at some point, yeah, because so, I am interested in seeing where this franchise goes. Because I, I, I think, I think you, you, and again, I'm, we've we've disagreed about a few things on this podcast, but for, the, for the very rarely, I think you, you would again appreciate the second one, but not like the execution like I did. But I think you would find something with the third one. I don't think you would love it. 
I don't think you would do, but I think you would be like, look, I appreciate the fact that this is what they tried to achieve, and it's mm-hmm. exactly the same film Castle on like you wouldn't. And Nick, you, you, I think you, you quite like it as well because it's very much like, it's, it's very much like low ground, more polished. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's essentially mm. what it is, but it's interesting. But you would have to watch the... a second film. But not that we're, we're on... the same person, Jack. But whenever you like a film, I kind of just assume I'm going to. It's no, kinda... exactly. The, yeah. the feeling's quite mutual. That's why I was slightly disappointed when someone Jesus mentioned guys, that get a room. Someone hated uh, <laughs> Alien Three. But uh, uh, I don't I, think you did. I, I, don't think I disliked did. it as a sequel, which I think you agree I, with. I would agree with that. No, so yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would watch it anyway, back to back with Aliens. I think that would be, that's just fucking stupid. Yeah. One day. So no, we're on the same page, Jacob. Don't try yeah. to fucking... Yeah. Yeah. Why are you here. doing this? What, one, <laughs> the, the entire premise of this podcast is to find Apple, films that you disagree on. <laughs> I want to do Charlie's Angels. I'll do that on my fucking birthday. That, that, that soundtrack for the first film by McG is genuinely exceptional. I'm sorry. So you want uh, Charlie's Angels for your birthday? No, no, I want, I, I, I want, no I'm not, not oh saying that. Just saying, so what do you want, so, no, no, but the question is st- still stands on the table. What do you want on the I don't know what I'm going to do for that March next year. Fuck yeah. no. Why my next year for February? So, I mean, yeah, so you well, know, what have you chosen, Carson? Oh, Mamma Mia too. Come on. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to choose. I'll have to choose later on. I don't know. <laughs> I want to do something with Chelsea. I want to do something I fucking argue about. Jupiter, Jupiter ascending. Let's go. That's good. We're doing. I mean, yeah, we're doing bad. quite a few. I'll do, I wouldn't mind year. doing Cloud Atlas. Oh, that's a good shot. But no, we're yeah. doing quite a few Wachowskis yeah. anyway. So it will be. Yeah. It will be a good thing. You should be. Well, uncut gems. Perspective. Yeah, because they're kind the of you know. More. I don't know. Speed racers genuinely orphaned. I don't, I, know, I don't know. I don't Speed Race. I don't know Speed Racer is like. Uh, I think that's has a lot of respect and love towards it. Well, there, have you, I think, have you ever seen it? Years, ha, I think yeah. it has a cult following. Yes. Like they shoot that. They shot the film like three times. It's the exact same scenes and put them together, like yep. different layers. It's fucking fascinating. Anyway, oh, Wachowskis, please yeah, be good. So, okay. but please be good. <laughs> I need that, and I, I will. I, I've already said to Carson, I'll fucking terminate Twitter if that film's bad. I will them off. I'm not dealing with that shit. I, I've had enough. I'm not having someone, some, not gonna, you can delete this, but I'm not having some scrot on film Twitter tell me. No, that, that's shot for scrotum, by the I way. I don't, I don't, I don't, don't, oh, don't want to ruin your... absolutely terrible because it's not as good as the, the first one. Oh, you live in a fucking bubble. Let's move on. Like, I don't want to ruin you your day, but... On, you you slept many... on Reloaded. I'm not fucking having that. I'm not having that at all. That's a fucking disgrace. Jesus, I don't want to ruin your day, but... um. How many f- films and how many successful franchises can you name that the fourth film was great, like genuinely amazing? It's not, it's, it's well, Impossible. statistically unlikely. I'd go Mission Impossible, that's a good shout. Yes, that's one. I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna amazing, but I think Rambo has a good fourth film. Yeah, but then, um, yes, Soft Horror is pretty decent. Oh, no. Okay. I like. I see. I Star think Wars Episode Four. I mean, <laughs> Star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's cheating. By the way, Star Wars Episode Four used to be called Star Wars. That's it. I don't. I, I don't buy this new whole that that Seven. That's Get with the program. It's a prequel here now, bitch. Oh, Jesus. No. Uh, I think Revenge of the Sith is the best Star Wars film. I'm gonna fucking say it. I'm done. Okay. I've keep, been so, no, no. I've keep been it so in your pants. Fucking kind with my hot takes today because I was told not to go on and on. 
I've been kind. I've been socially yeah, acceptable. And you've I've almost never... made it. It's between <laughs> it's between Attack of the Clones and Rise of Skywalker okay. for me. Keep it, no, that's, that's in Keep it in your pants. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want Excuse to blow the load prematurely. We need it. Okay. I don't know call. where Jakob. We need to talk about Rise of Skywalker because like will. yeah, you all are sleeping. You, we will. You'll no, have your. The best thing of that is Jewel of Fates, the screenplay. Um, Colin Trevorrow. Where's the book of Henry Jakob? Why is that not on this podcast? Because it's shit. That's a good shout, actually. <laughs> no, probably it probably actually is a good shout. Yeah. Anyway, so I think we can <laughs> we can wrap this up before this thing kind of gets derailed again. So Alien Three is available uh, in the UK on Now TV and Sky to stream. I don't think it's available to stream in the US. No. Um, but I think you can rent it and buy it from the usual suspects because it's just widely available. So, um, however, if you, I don't think you'd be able to get your hands on the assembly cut that way. So I think if you, I think your best bet if you want to get your hands on the assembly cut, you you'd probably bet best suited to either get the DVD or the Blu-ray box set because that's bang for oh, your no. money right there. Buy them on iTunes and they add oh, the uh, the oh, director's cut comes with it, yeah. Okay, good. Because that's I was I wasn't well. sure whether you, whether you can actually get the if you buy them to or, or iTunes or Amazon, where you where do you get both cuts? I don't think uh, I think you have to buy them separate on Amazon, okay. but on iTunes you can buy. That's why it's superior. But you, Apple, you know. But uh, that's why you can buy, buy the initial versions, but then the iTunes extras, you get the director's cut as well. Okay. So yeah. So so yeah. You can you can get them quite easily. So so Alien Three you should definitely check out, and then also Pitch Black if you re, if you if you if you're so inclined. It has a very respectable Arrow release that's also in 4K. Uh, it looks astonishing as well. So, so yeah. Well, take take make up make with that of what you will. I think there is a there is an audience for this. It's definitely not in this room. <laughs> uh, although, uh, although I'm I'm happy to have paid for it, and you know, I can, you know, it 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 is what it is. Anyway, so I think this is it for this episode of the Uncut Gems podcast. And so, where can we find you all on social media, Nicola? You go first. You can follow me on Twitter at NikkiGra97 and you can follow my reviews on Letterboxd at Nicolo Grasso and also you can watch my short films and video essays on YouTube and Vimeo at Enjoy the Movies. Cool. Jack, where can we find you? You can find me on both Letterboxd and Twitter with the username at Jack Luke Sharp. And Carson? Can't imagine many people are going to be seeing me after this. A letterbox is just Carson from our Twitter's at BP underscore movie reviews. Cool, and uh, you can find me at Talk About Film on Twitter. You can also uh, read all our stuff on uh, clapperltd.co.uk. You can find my stuff if, if on fashionfilm.com. You can also, and you should, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. So make sure to follow, like, retweet our stuff, rate and review on iTunes and Spotify, please. Helps us a lot. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can also send us an email at uncontrollspot at gmail.com. So if you want to sound off about uh, the Alien 3 film, whichever cut you want, I mean, it's a good discussion to have. Yeah, go for it. Or Pitch Black, if, you, if you're if one of the sort of cultists, great. If you if you hate it, also give us a shout. Um, you can also tweet at us, and then you can also support the show at ko-fi.com uh, slash uncontrollspot. So be sure to buy us a coffee and help us keep the lights on. And then be sure to t- tune in next week when we will be talking about um, another interesting specimen, as it turns out, as we will be reevaluating Michael Mann's Miami Vice, which I am told is one of Jack's favorite films ever. So strap that's yourselves not, in. That's not true. That's, that's oh, not but true. you like it, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's going to be don't an interesting start, discussion. Yo, it's, um... That's next week. Don't start now. <laughs> so, so you can. Here's a here's a little sort of 
taste of what, what, what's about to happen. This man cannot stop himself. He's gonna start talking about Miami Vice right now. So we, we might, might as well just wrap this up for now. And then we will see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>